the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, Lori Lee's in the studio. I'll just leave now. <laughs> I'll ask her a question, leave. I don't even have to be here asking another one. How you doing? I'm I doing very well. Has it been a couple of years now, isn't oh, it? Oh, I think it's probably last year about this time, National School, school Choice, choice Week. time, yeah. 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 Uh, did you come, or I think it was somebody else that came. It another may have lady. Been Valerie. Yeah, I think or, it was. Yeah, yeah our executive director, yep. Yeah, so be. anyway, you've been traveling all over the country. Yeah, yeah, just uh, trying how, to... How is that hitchhiking going? It's uh, it's hard. You know, the older <laughs> I get, the worse it is. <laughs> yeah. You get tired. People don't realize that. You really do get tired of going places. Yes. Well, the, the thing is that the traveling that I do is like airport, car, hotel, car, airport, car. <laughs> it's not the beach or the... <laughs> no, no. But uh, I love it, and I get to share with people my passion uh, for school choice, and uh, so it makes it it makes it all worth it. Now you're doing some stuff for Right to Life too, right? Yeah, our firm is is doing that for um, for Susan B. Anthony. That's correct. Okay, so that's good, and things are going well there. Yeah, very well, very well. Are we? You know, we're winning that battle. It's taking longer than I thought it would take. But we are winning that I think battle. that young people, and and I really think the reason that I have such a passion for both the abortion issue and for school choice is because they are very similar in that uh, people want to control uh, people and uh, especially uninformed people and um, have them make decisions that are not in the best interest of their families. And so, you know, when you take somebody who is uh, has an unwanted pregnancy and um, you don't give them all the information about, you know, the things that happen after that, uh, after uh, an abortion, um, and you don't give them the uh, right information, as their options, uh, I think that that segues into the school choice issue. And that is people don't get to know what their options are. No. They think that their only option is, is A and uh you know, that's just not how it is. I, I heard something that I really wanted to, to share with you today that I that I heard on the way over here. Uh, we sent out some mail uh, regarding uh, school choice, and we got one back written on it. <laughs> it's funny, Dave. People send mailers back. And on it, it says, I do. please take me off your mailing list. I do not support private private." I know what you're saying. Private, private. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that. privatizing there public school. Very good. Or privatizing education <laughs> for wealthy people. And I want to write back and say, but that's what we have now, because only wealthy people can afford options. Mm-hmm. They're the only ones that can afford private school. They're the only ones that can afford tutoring and services outside what's offered by uh, you know the public school system. And uh, so, you know, the the misinformation on this issue in particular is is um, is horrific. That we have so many people that are in a uh, a system that does not serve the purpose that it was meant to have. 
and that was you know it, it's it's serendipitous that it's on Martin Luther King Day that we're having this uh, talk mm-hmm. because you know he believed in education and he believed in equal access to education and we just don't have that if you live in a poor neighborhood and you're poor uh, you go to a poor school district and if right. you're wealthy and uh, you uh, have great millages then you go to a, a wealthy school district and, and I would submit Dave that there's some people that live in wealthy school districts whose whose family income is not what it is for the most people that live there and they can't afford the options for their kids either so it's really not about good schools versus bad schools it's about circles and squares and let's just say that the public education system is a square and that the majority of kids will always be educated and probably well by what we call traditional public school but then there are kids that are circles and they just don't fit into that model and, you know, is that the school's fault? Well, no, it's not. Is that the teacher's fault? Well, absolutely not, because I think that teachers, especially ones that we've talked to, uh, realize that there are kids in their classrooms that would be better served in another environment. Um, it's not the parent's fault. It's not the kid's fault. It just is. You know, you, you people are different. It's the government's fault when you don't get to go to the school that you want to go to that well, will best serve you. And, and that's the short that you're you're right there it is um fortunately i believe that it's becoming more and more receptive to our elected officials uh although you know the folks at the teachers union and the uh administrators uh union they would have you believe that nobody wants school choice but uh we know that that's not true well i was really disappointed two years ago i'm hoping for a better outcome this year at the session two years ago you know, we lost, and I did not like losing. <laughs> I'm I'm worse than Tom Brady about losing. I just don't like to lose. Never have. Never will. Uh, yeah, no, uh, that was that was not my most favorite uh, place either. Uh, but but that's okay. Uh, I am sure uh, that there will be a another opportunity to pass a, a great school choice bill this session. Um. Not sure what all that's going to look like. I'm not sure uh, what what those bills will be, uh, but it's important. It's important for the legislative body to know uh, that Arkansas parents are ready. A matter of fact, we just deployed a survey last week, and uh, the survey is that 74 percent of Arkansans. Um, I'm trying to get to the slide real quick. Um, want think that parents should be able to customize their education, regardless of what that looks like. Um, and that that's not outside of public school. Most people want to stay at their public school. Uh, that's one of the things that we found in our, in our survey. But they want people whose children aren't being served to be able to have options so they become better educated. So at the end of their education, they become protective taxpaying citizens. Um, you know, there's thousands of kids across this state who have learning challenges or difficulties or special needs that would be better served in an environment that can cater to those specific needs. Mm-hmm. But what we do now, unless you have the financial means or you have the spheres of influence, those kids are made to, to be in a public school classroom where teachers, uh, the ones that we talk to, are, are frustrated because, they're you know, we're making our teachers be all things to all kids. And that's just not fair. Those teachers have 28 kids in a classroom. They get they get paid, uh, you know, uh, inadequate, an, uh, but certainly could be more. And I'm glad to see that the governor is going to be increasing teacher pay. Um, 
But but then they have to deal with kids that aren't fit, whose parents are unhappy, who come up to that school day after day after day and say, I'm frustrated. You're a great teacher, but my kid's not getting it. And, and those that are opposed to allowing uh, families to have options can never answer that question. They never answer the question about, what about this kid? This one kid who's in, you know, Mrs. Smith's third grade that's not getting it, who's who's a, a child of a single-parent family or a child of a, a low-income family that can't afford extra tutoring or, or extra services or private school tuition. What are you doing for this kid? Mm-hmm. Are we just going to let this kid go through and be pushed through till they get out on the other end? And then, then they end up on, you know, some kind of government assistance. They uh, stay in a low um, uh, minimum wage job their whole life. Uh, worse, they become incarcerated because they turn to crime because that's, you know, that's a way to make money. We see that happen here in, in the capital city all the time. So, so I think the people that are opponents of this don't really understand or maybe they refuse to admit that, you know, there are some kids that would benefit from being able to have an avenue to get out of a school that's not serving their purpose. See, I, what I like about you is that you've gotten good over the years of saying and, and couching what you have to say in a way that's palatable to the other side. Uh, my, my, <laughs> the way that I see it, and this is what you like about me, Lord, is that I, I just put it out there. I, I just say it. It's the other side wants to hold on to their power, period. They no, don't care who, the, they, the don't care who union, they destroy. You're, no, you're exactly right. The teachers' union and the administrators, uh, are, that is exactly right. That's why that this has struggled so many years. Yes. But, but the teachers are not the enemy here. No. They're, we've done a poll for teachers, and 72 to 75% of teachers in Arkansas want school choice they want they want the same freedom that we want to give children they want to teach in in uh in places where it better fits you know what they want to accomplish uh they see kids every day struggle in their classrooms uh that they know would be set better served in a different environment so they're frustrated um they see what happens with the with the shortage of special ed teachers and how these kids that that um, have challenges are are not served well and so you know it's really it's really one of those things that's being controlled the narratives being controlled by, you know, we used to call it the capital, the, the iron triangle, right? The superintendents, the administrators, and the teachers' union. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's that's kind of the way it is. Unfortunately for them, we do have now social media and, and, and shows that we can get the word out. And the numbers don't lie. 74% of people across, we, we surveyed 700 people in the state of Arkansas. And the results of that and the questions are posted on the reformalliance.org website. Um, you can probably see it uh, on our Facebook page here in another hour or two. Uh, but uh, it uh, it goes through question by question of, you know, who do you think uh, legislators should listen to when um, – when asked about education, and it, and it talks about parents and teachers, uh, you know, that uh, collaboration with families uh, and teachers and, and educators as a whole to really be student-focused and not so much building and school-focused. All right, let's come back. We'll talk further with Lori Lee. She's with us for the hour. If you have a question, 823-0965, 823 and I, I want to bring up uh, something that I don't hear all that much about any longer, and that is taking the money that's there for education and allowing parents to get uh, stipends or get uh, 
scholarships to put their kids where they want them to go. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, There's certain words that you don't say anymore. They're they're politically incorrect. They don't want you to say them. Well, we got other. Well, <laughs> Lori said, no, okay, Ellswick, where are you going with Which this? Which ones are those? We'll come back. We'll tell you. It's uh, 18 minutes after two. We've got to get a break in, and we'll be back more with Lori Lee. All right, so I was referring to words that probably you don't want to say, but Lori corrected me during the break and said, no, you can say that word, Dave. And the word is vouchers. You used to hear the word voucher all the time. Because there's some real movement on vouchers, and now you know the left has just dis- destroyed many voucher programs across the United States. So I call them scholarships now. Well, actually, there's a there's a big difference. Um, a voucher. We already have a voucher in the state of Arkansas. I know. You reminded um, the, me. The Succeed right. Scholarship. Um, it's very limited in scope. It is for kids with an IEP, and actually um, the Reform Alliance works with the Arkansas Department of Education uh, to implement uh, that program. Uh, it actually gives uh, parents who have children with an IEP about a little over $6,800 uh, for tuition to a private school that is on the approved list. And the only thing that that means is that that school is accredited, uh, submits a financial statement, and um, – it has been in business for like three years. So if you're interested in that program, you can call the Reform Alliance, and they would be able to give you some information on that. Um, we're, they're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, we've got email, all of that. Uh, if you uh, if you have a, uh, access to the Internet, it's the reformalliance.org. But that's a great, uh, a great program. We're serving – we've uh, – probably uh given out about 305 vouchers uh in the last um it's been almost two years um it was actually it was two years in september um two families uh, all across the state we have i think 34 35 schools and uh and given uh that amount of money and it really has uh if you go to our website and watch some of the videos uh these families that have been able to obtain that scholarship um the, it's changed the lives of these kids and that's because um, they were able then to have equal access, the same access that people with money have, to put their kids in a school that better fits their needs. I, again, I, I want to be clear that public school is a great um, uh, choice for a lot of people. A lot of kids are being served and very well uh, by their public school. But there are kids that go to even some of the best public schools with the best teachers who are not able to have their needs met and who are not thriving in that situation. And I think that that's what school choice is about, is allowing those kids the same options that people with with money have to take their kids out when it's not working for them. All right. So, you know, the whole thing using the vouchers, I remember when you were fighting that battle. I remember it very clearly and how difficult even to get a few children into a program like that was. And it hasn't, quote, grown. It actually has grown just a little. So we started out with um, uh, 100 kids. Mm -hmm. That was the ceiling um, our first year. And now we're up to over 305 uh, so it's tripled in less than two years, and the governor made a commitment to give us a 10% increase every year 
of funding uh, and then to put us uh, have a line item in the budget and and that way we wouldn't have to fight for those dollars every year so um, we're excited about that the governor is completely committed to school choice uh, he himself has said that he and his family have used it they've gone to public school private school homeschooled uh, you've heard my story a million times my girls have gone to public yep. school private school homeschool charter school and that's what it's about you know if you've got more than one kid in your family you know that they're more, different. Yeah, you get more and than so, one way of learning. Right. There. And so, you know, it may be a combination of everything. And and I think um, to your point about scholarships, that's one of the things, one of the programs now that uh, a lot of people are looking at is what's called a tax credit scholarship. And those are available to give families that, that $6,800 $6, where they can choose to uh, spend that money at a private school. They can choose to uh, use it on tutoring or therapies. They can uh, do a combination of public and private where you can take one-sixth of that um, money and, and uh, spend it back uh, on the public school. So the public schools uh, can really benefit from this. Number one, they would... Um, the highest end users are some of the kids with the most drastic uh, disabilities, and so they would be able to go to a school that better serves their needs, saving the school a lot of time and money. But then they could come back and purchase uh, credit hours from that school and for a lab. You know, not a whole lot of private schools have the lab setups that some public schools have. Foreign languages, for instance. Um, athletics, for instance. Um, so there really is a, a, a win-win for the, the public schools and the unions and the, the teacher um, – the teacher union and the administrators unions are are just not interested in giving up any of the um, power and control that they have over those dollars and those kids. And it's really an unfortunate fact. Because the argument always is you want to destroy public education. And, and you know, that's so funny because if you, if you look at it, well, there, that, that's an argument and accountability. We'll get into that in just a second. But the, but the, the argument of destroying public education, when you look at in the state of Arkansas right now, we have a 73 to 75% graduation rate. What, what's with the other 25% of kids? And of the of those seventy three to seventy five that graduate, fifty percent of those kids need remediation, and it's not because our schools are doing a bad job necessarily. It's because we're trying to force everybody through the same funnel. So if you were able to, and and our survey proves this out, open it up and allow parents whose children are struggling to find options, to find ways to help their children make it through the system then those numbers would go up exponentially just by the nature of that of that ability because those parents have a vested interest. And I'm not saying that teachers don't because I always get misquoted in this stuff. Well, you hate teachers. Well, that's a ridiculous assertion. That is a ridiculous assertion. I, I love teachers. I respect teachers. I think that uh, we need to pay our teachers more. And, and I think that this kind of program would give teachers more freedom and more flexibility in their classrooms. And I happen to know the hidden secret that the majority of Arkansas teachers are actually for programs like this, but they're afraid to say anything because they don't want to get their head lopped well, off of by course. the teacher union. Of course. I mean, we've seen it happen. You've seen it more than I have. You've been in the smoke-filled chambers that aren't, you know, now <laughs> they're vape-filled chambers or whatever. But the bottom line is that you've seen the things that go on behind closed doors. You know the things that some of these people say. You know, uh, you know, people uh, 
up in northwest Indiana to Indiana. I was been thinking about Pence ever since I saw some of the things that have been said about him today. But uh, up in northwest Arkansas, and uh, it just amazes me what some elected officials say. It, that, it's ridiculous. The assertion that, you know, that they always send out to teachers, uh, this is going to cost you jobs. Yep. Well, that's a ridiculous. We still have 487,000 K-12 to educate. Well, why? What teacher jobs? No, we have a shortage of teachers. This would expand teachers' jobs. This would give teachers more uh, competitiveness in their uh, uh, profession. This would say, okay, look, I want to go over here and teach, but no, I'm a great teacher, so they're going to pay me more. This is a win for teachers across the board. The fact that the teachers' union uh, would would say that to teachers and teachers would believe that um, has always been confusing to me since private schools need teachers, charter schools need teachers, public schools need teachers. we still got the same amount of kids we need to educate every year. All right, let's get a break in, and we'll come back, talk more with Lori Lee, but we got to get to the news, which is happening right now. All right, so you're probably wondering, well, what can you do? Well, we're going to tell you that in just a second. Let me tell you first about there's 567 different ways to claim your Social Security. There's 2,728 rules in the Social Security Handbook, and your government, to make matters worse, have told the Social Security Administration they are actually forbidden to offer you any personalized advice. So you're totally on your own. No wonder why as much as $10 billion in benefits go unclaimed every year. Learn how you could wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits in the up-to-date guide to Social Security. You get it from David Lucas, host of the David Lucas Show, right here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. To get that free guide, be one of the first 10 callers right now at 501-653-6690. So this will help you not leave thousands of dollars on the retirement table. Get back every nickel. That's rightfully yours. Yeah, I mean, I don't want more. I just want what's coming to me. I've already put in hundreds of thousands of dollars. Call 501-653-6690. Or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. Our guest, Lori Lee, she is here, and uh, she wants to talk to us about National School Choice Week that's going on right now. It goes on through uh, from today until the 26th. What's going on here locally that we should be aware of? So uh, thanks for asking, Dave. Um, there's a meeting tonight. Uh, we're calling it the Partner With Me Community Meeting. It is, uh, is at the Friendship Aspire Academy uh, down in uh, Southwest Little Rock at 3615 West 25th Street. This is going to start from 6 to 8 tonight. Okay. All that information is on our Facebook page at the Reform Alliance if you missed it. Um, it exciting. We're going to have Sydney Moncrief. Uh, there, uh, the former University of Arkansas basketball Great player. Great basketball player. Five-time NBA um whatever that award is, Uh, just a phenomenal guy. He and his wife uh, do a lot of stuff with education, and he uh, is a huge proponent of of making sure kids get in the right spaces. We'll have Dr. Patrick Wolf there, and then a lady by the name of uh, Lita Anthony, 
who uh, has been huge in the civil rights movement um, and is an advocate not only for school choice but for uh, the criminal justice reform. So uh, we should have a packed house. We're going to have Big Day's Barbecue there, um, and uh, we're excited about that. Six to eight, come grab a burger, uh, ask your questions about school choice, and get answers that are factually accurate. Yeah, and here's some, you know, experiences people have had themselves with school choice. You know, I think your your listeners would be surprised at the advocates uh, uh, of school choice. Uh, people like I mentioned, Lita Anthony, uh, people like Annie Abrams, who was an icon in the civil rights yep. movement here in Arkansas, is an avid supporter of school choice. And uh, we you know we have a video of uh, that we made with her where she just explains, "Hey, we don't want to go backwards." Uh, Howard Fuller, who is another icon from the civil rights movement, has said many times, you know. Hey, thanks for the seat at the lunch counter, but now we can't read the menus, right? Uh, so oh, that's very good. He says that all the time. Hey, you know, you know, they just they just want to keep uh, you know people that are low income and and low educated uh, in, in this proverbial cycle. And I don't understand why we're not opening the door uh, for people and saying, "Hey, look, it's obvious that this this is not working for you. Here's another option." And so, you know, this doesn't have to be some universal give everybody. I mean, that would be my nirvana, right? Just let everybody pick. And according to our survey. That's my nirvana. And I'm telling you, according to our survey that was just in the field last week, the majority of Arkansas people would stay where they are. They love their public school, and rightly so. They love their teachers, and rightly so. Uh, But there are people whose children struggle, and they need to have the opportunity to find uh, a space that works for their kids. You know, what's nice, though, is if. You maybe you feel that way about the school. You feel that way about the teachers. But if something goes sideways, if you've got that freedom that you can take your money wherever you want to take it, it keeps things going that same way. Basically, that's exactly right. And different seasons for different kids. You know, uh, the opposition wants this to make this an an either or. Mm-hmm. You know, you either hate public school and want school choice, or you know, you just got to be public school. Well, th- that's just not accurate. It, it should be. And, okay, it should be we can have a thriving, great public school, traditional public school system, along with allowing those who that system doesn't work for uh, to be alongside that to complement so that we can serve more children. And the people of Arkansas feel that way. And according to our survey, like 75 percent of Arkansans believe that we should adopt a program where people can customize education for their kids. Okay, so how do we get that 75% to get a hold of their local politicians and tell them, this has got to change? I think you just did. I mean, I I would say, you know what, and again, this does not have to be a, a vitriol. Right? This just needs to be a, hey, this is a great idea. This is something that will help. Uh, first of all, on its face, it saves the state money because you're only giving uh, scholarship kids $6,800, where we're spending $11,000 a year on them in in traditional public school mm-hmm. outside of Little Rock. In Little Rock, it's more like fifteen grand. So on its face, it's saving the state, you know, uh, between two and $3,000 per student, right? And then on the back end, we're going to graduate more kids that know and are educated, better educated, because their personal needs were met. And so the number of kids on or young adults on um, 
government subsidized programs is going to go down. The the incarceration rate is going to go down. The the you know the ability to find a job. Do you remember when when Grant? Um, God, I can't remember his last name now. He was uh, BB's uh, economic uh, development head. I know who you're talking about. And he about. almost got uh, starts with a T. Um, he almost got his head lopped off at an economic development meeting when he said the reason that businesses are not coming to Arkansas is because we do not have a an, an educated workforce. Workforce, mm-hmm. and that, that's the truth. And and and. Forget finding onus. I'm tired of that conversation. Let's find a solution. Let's find a solution that works for the people of Arkansas, not for the teachers union, not for this, but as a as a whole community, you know, that we can say, you know what, this works and to allow parents to find options for their kids so that they can get an education that helps them be successful. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, the answer should be not who's at fault. The answer should be, how do we make sure that they're prepared? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you cannot prepare. I I only have two kids, okay, and they're night and day. They were born on the same day of the week. They have the same parents in the same uh, hospital room by the same midwife at Mm -hmm. the same time of day. And one of them is a visual learner, and one of them is an audible learner. One of them likes tactical things. One of them's left brain. One of them's right brain. You know what? They're completely different people. And, and they needed different things in their education journey at different times. And it's almost insulting that we say for 12 years, we're going to take this child, every child, 487,000 of them, and put them in the exact same model and expect the outcome to be better than it ever is. That's just not logical. Because they'll say, the other side will say, because we don't have any other way of teaching them than the model that we've always put together. That When they say that to you, just know what you're really hearing them say is, this gives us the most power, we're going to keep where the most power is, and to screw your kids, they don't care. Okay. Dave Ellswick That's said me. That. <laughs> That's me saying that. I don't believe they don't care. I believe with all of my heart that the majority of educators in our state – are completely frustrated. Not talking, not talking to teachers here. I'm talking to people who are making the the decisions. Okay, it's not the teachers. Fair. That's fair. Uh, that's fair because the people. The teachers the, are only doing what they're told to do. Yes. And so you're okay. Then I will agree with you that the the folks that are adamantly opposed to this are those who they are more worried about their power base than they are yes, they about are. the the education of the kids in this in that this is state. Correct. Now, I, I do agree with that. And, and that's sad. Well, I've seen it. You've seen I've it. I've seen it. But and and, it, and it's sad and it doesn't have to be that way because we can have we can have a a thriving public school system at the same time we allow those students who aren't being served to find uh, a better environment that works for them. And people are like, why don't you just do that within the public school system? It, that can't happen. Why do we have a podiatrist? Why doesn't everybody just go to the general practitioner? Because some people need a podiatrist. You wouldn't want a, 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 a dental technician doing brain surgery, right? I mean, it, education is the only thing that we have zero options in if you are uh, middle to low income. That's the only thing. If, you're, if you go to the grocery store, you can buy 32 kinds of milk. Milk that's not even milk. 
Okay? I mean, like, we, uh, in a public school, you would never have a kid who has celiac. You would never mandate they eat a sandwich for lunch. You would never do that. Why are we mandating that children who are not able to fit in the model stay in a in a system that doesn't work for them? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it may They're, screw them up. Especially when you can do it cheaper. If you can give them sixty eight hundred dollars instead of eleven thousand, and say, "Hey, go over here." And do what you need to do. And if you want to come back here to the public school and get some services that that you can pay us for, well, that's a win-win. I'm with you. Lori Lee's my guest. We'll come back. Uh, We'll get into what kind of schools are out there. I want to talk a little bit about that to you. I want to talk a little bit about home education as well because, gosh, they include them as well. The other side don't even want to talk about them, but we got other things to talk about as far as this is concerned. Uh, we're talking about National School Choice Week. Runs from today through the 26th, helping to raise awareness about the different educational opportunities that are available to children and their families from traditional public schools to charter schools to magnet schools to online academies, to private schools, and home schooling. They've been talking about all of that since 2011. Let's make this a banner year and break through and get some big things done as far as school choice goes for this new uh, General Assembly that we have meeting over at the Capitol. All right, we've got nine minutes left with Lori Lee. She'll be on from time to time during the session because she kind of hangs around the Capitol, you know, walking around, finding <laughs> people in, in corners that are hiding from her, <laughs> and then starts asking questions and says, hey, what, what are you doing on this legislation piece? You know, for the people that are out there listening to us today, what are the main questions they should be asking themselves to take to their uh, their representatives, I guess the main question is: do do we have a palate? And I know the answer to this from from talking to scores and scores of parents across the state to ensure that every child in this state has equal access to the educational options they need. That's what we need to know. Uh, are you gonna Are we gonna continue to buy into the false narrative? That we're killing public schools, which no state in the United States who's got the most robust uh, uh, school choice programs, Florida, Arizona, Indiana, um, Ohio, uh, those those states have implemented uh, a massive, especially Florida, and, and they still have thriving public schools. And I would say better public schools because the dissatisfied customers or the customers who it's not working for are able to leave and find something that works. Mm-hmm. So er- everybody wins. And so I think that that's the number one question. The number two question is, are you going to do something about it? Do you know that it's a good idea? But are you going to go out and, and you're going to say in a, in a respectful, you know, uh, way of of being collaborative and knowing that there are people who are adamantly opposed? And I think that most people are opposed, except for the, the leadership of that opposition, are opposed because they're misinformed and they just don't know the facts. And so I w- really would encourage you to do your own due diligence 
to look at the stuff on on the Reform Alliance's website, the information there. Go out there and Google school choice and read the pros and cons on both sides and then decide for yourself. Is it is it worth allowing a child who, again, is not making it in the traditional public school setting whose parents don't have the money? Because let's face it, Dave, those people who have money. If their kid struggles, you know what they do? They go where they can help them. They go where they can help them. So when people say to me, oh, you just want to privatize education so mm-hmm. the wealthy, I'm like, honey, they, the wealthy already have it. Yeah, they're, okay? <laughs> yeah ask, go, go ask any or the majority of, for instance, uh, people that are in politics nationally. If they send their kids to a public school. Go ask the people in the legislature in Arkansas. Okay. Go, doesn't go happen the, that way. The, the business people here. I uh-huh. mean, you know, there's a reason Northwest Arkansas has some of the best schools because they've got a lot of the of the millage money. There's a reason why there's not great schools in the Delta uh, because they don't have the the money that they have. Uh, but but here's the deal: if it, it shouldn't be about that, it should be about one kid. It should be about one kid. There's there's a child out there in each and every community that is struggling and it's not the fault of the schools it's not the fault of the teachers it's not the fault of the parents it's because that child needs something different for their educational opportunity are we going to insist they relegate that child to failure in a life of mediocrity because we refuse to change the status quo that's the question Mm -hmm. and why if the status quo isn't working are the people who are in charge of the status quo demanding that we stay with the status quo? Well, you and I know the answer to that because well, it's about power do. and money. That's exactly right. So, so uh, are there enough Arkansans out there to say, hey, look, this, does, this is not a vitriol fight. This is a common sense answer for some of the challenges that face our state mm-hmm. in ed- educated workforce, in crime, in, you know, the low-paying wages that we have and businesses coming. This is a piece of that answer. The governor is 100% behind uh, a program that would allow this. I feel like the legislature is in a place where they would be. But you know what? Some of these guys need to hear from the folks in their hometowns. They, they don't they, – all they hear from is the teachers' union. All they hear from is the administrators. They need to start hearing from some parents. Hey, we think this is a good idea. This would this would help. I encourage you to go to our Facebook page, the Reform Alliance. I encourage you to go to our web page, thereformalliance.org. Uh, our phone number, if you just want to call, because if you're like me, you want to get an answer right now, is five zero one. Two four four nine zero two eight. Now, quite frankly, we're going to be out of the office a lot this week because it's National School Choice Week. We have the event tonight here in Little Rock. We hop in our. Um, I wish everybody would go to our Facebook page and see the car that we got wrapped with for National School Choice. Okay, we're going on a state tour, and then Friday we culminate at the Capitol with our rally that we always have. Good place. That's from eleven to two. Everybody's uh, open. Yeah, yeah, there's right. your there's your yellow scarf. We'll have t shirts for everybody, mm-hmm. yellow scarves for everybody. Uh we'll have booths there from um 
uh, ACE Scholarship, Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, um, parent, Arkansas Parents for School Choice, the Arkansas Treasury, Americans for Prosperity. It's going to be a kid-centric event. There's not going to be any politicians there talking to you, but it's a place where you can get a lot of good information on school choice. And uh, I really hope that people, and I've said this since, since what, we've been doing this 15 years now. Yeah. It's vital, Dave, that people get information on their own. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to, you know, Rachel Maydow or Glenn Beck. Not, not that either one of those are bad, but, but they both have a, a, a shtick. Okay, so go look for information on your own and then take all the information that you gather and make a decision based on what you know is best. And, and what would be best for the kids in the state of Arkansas and what would be best for our economic future? And at the end of the day, what's best for our individual communities is to have educated kids who can go get jobs and feed their families. All right. Reform Alliance. Keep them in mind. What's the website again? TheReformAlliance.org. Okay. The. Got to put the, the Z in there. That's T-H-E. That's, that's the highfalutin way of saying the. Uh, <laughs> reformalliance.org. <laughs> Always a pleasure, Lori. Thank you so much. I hope to see you several times during the session. I bet you do. Because you'll be fighting. I, I know will. you'll be I'll fighting. I'll be up there. All right, we got to get a break coming in. Robert Steinbach is going to join us in the next hour. Our uh, law professor uh, who has his opinions, which are his opinions and not necessarily those of UA Little Rock or the Bowen School of Law. But he'll be here to share them with you in a few moments on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Robert Steinbach is here. He is, of course, law professor at UALR School of Law, Bowen School of Law. And his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily at School of Law or the university. Just keep that in mind. As we uh, approach the end of the, uh, well, today is... It's not open. Uh, they're not open today in New York, are they? The, uh, they're not Who? doing... Uh, Stock exchange? Yeah, they're no. closed, right? No, I think so. Stock yeah. markets are closed. Today. Yeah. Banks are closed. I'm looking yeah. here. They get the, they got Friday's numbers up, which were very good. So anyway, uh, it's, uh, I just got done talking about this, Robert. I know that you'll probably have some things to say here, so I'll turn mm-hmm. it over to you about it. Um it's National School Choice Week this week, oh, uh, Monday through... Uh, National Common Sense Week? Uh, yeah. National Common uh, Sense Week? Okay. And uh, there's going to be a big, big celebration on school choice and information and all the rest of it uh, at the uh, state capitol come Friday, and people need to be there. Dave, can you explain to me a simple question, or give me an answer to a simple question? Mm-hmm. The left is pro-choice, that's their term, Yes. on abortion. yes. They're not pro-choice on school. No. What, can you explain that? Of course that not. Can you no, break of that course. down for me? It's the can left. Can you break down the logic you there? Can you not. cannot. There is no logic to it. It is the left. The left is all about emotion. The left is all about power and money. Well, and the last, the second to last point you bring up about power, they want the power of taking their system of education to indoctrinate your kids mm-hmm. and not give you any choice on it. And again, we talked about this. That's why we have the Dave Ellswick free speech on campus bill introduced by Kim Hammer last week, I believe. Yep. And this bill says, guess what? You get to say things on campus, think things on campus, and learn things on campus consistent with what you believe, yep. not with what they want to indoctrinate you with. 
that's a dangerous position mm-hmm. to take. <laughs> I'm just, exactly. I'm being honest exactly. with you. It's a t- you know, did you, they did a they did a, a story on it uh, on KARK. Did you see that? Oh, I did not. Yeah, terrific. The first piece of legislation that they talked about was right. freedom of speech. I love it. The, the you love that. Bill. You love about that. Well, and did you see uh, uh, what's his name, Max Brantley? No, I know. And 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 he's a, f- a friendly guy. Yeah. But let's break this up. Max Brantley says that free speech on campus is dangerous. He's a newspaper man. The guy when runs he, a newspaper. Wait, wait. He said that? Yeah, I'm going to read. And then he quotes. Uh, he, there's a quote in his blog. You're going to love this. In which he makes the most anti-free speech statement you could imagine. And I think he's wow. quoting somebody else. But nonetheless, he, it's in his article. Good meaning he God. subscribes to the notion. Here's, here's what it says. He says, we need to... Um, um, uh, de- I'm paraphrasing the beginning. We need to balance, quote, balance unobstructed dialogue. By the way, dialogue, not monologue. Unobstructed dialogue with, wait for it, with, wait for it, the need to make all constituencies on campus feel included. Oh boy. Go get your go get your stuffed animal, your therapy dogs, <laughs> your weighted blanket, uh, your moonlighting, and your pink walls because we need to make everybody feel included. By the way, I'm I'm a First Amendment as are you advocate. I don't feel included when I can't say what I want to say. Yeah. So now I'm not included. That's the problem with the left is that their standards collapse under the weight of logic. They cannot deal with logic. I'm not included. What about me, Max? What about me? I got now. That's just incredible. When you when you made a statement, you said your weighted blanket, and they ask they act as if that's something new. Wasn't it? It was during the late seventies or early eighties that they. You remember they used to kind of wrap people up kind of like tacos yeah 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 i i mean it, it all they always remember in the 70s they had the est training est training yes right it's all this cuckoo bird kind of uh, <laughs> pseudoscientific psychology that they they resurrect every time look you know what the, the left is resurrect now with with their attacks on freedom of speech and thought on campus celebrated by no less the newspaper man max brantley who i like as an individual but has completely gone out left field on this one he left the field left the field he left yeah. the field he's somewhere in the parking lot yeah, at this point, right absolutely um, uh, they, they have so lost any sense of balance any sense of 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 the primacy of communication remember he says he's opposed to unobstructed dialogue dialogue that means two people conversing in a dialogue is dangerous to a third per- party why cuz he didn't feel included here's a lollipop dave do you feel included now <laughs> i mean it's craziness well, you know, for us, it doesn't matter to us because we're always, for instance, the phone line, 8230965, is open for you to be part of that's the right. dialogue that's here. Right. That's right. Come come, be included. By the way, if someone is unable to get through because you've got too many calls, maybe you shouldn't allow any callers in at all. Uh, you know, I that, would, that would make some people feel bad. Of course it did. Yeah. You know what makes some people feel good? I mean this honestly, by the way. If you were not on the radio. Oh, yes. They would feel better and more included. People have been very yeah. clear about That's that. That's right. That's right. 
And that this is unadulterated Marxism. This is not even Marxism redux. This is pure Marxism. The Marxist taught, if you redefine words, if you recreate language, if you tell people, uh, if you limit how they can think and what they can say, then they conform. Mm -hmm. And this is about mandatory conformity. That's what it's about. And it's conformity to the left. Remember, the left believes that if you disagree with them, you're evil. You're evil. And my response is, what else you got? What else you got? Is that the label you want to throw it? Bring it on. Bring it. Someone said to me, you know, in Kim Hammer's bill, it lists all of these things. Oh, it's so funny. And this is your bill, the Dave Ellswick slash Kim Hammer bill. It lists that was all so fun bills. to write. Well, wasn't it? Yeah, I put, you know, when I, know. I got that right. from uh, Minnesota, uh-huh. I added some extra words in there that I thought needed to be added in there. Amen. And right. I know you probably added some well, words, didn't you? But no, I'm sure that I did a little tweaking. But you, you're, <laughs> you're, you're right on the ball. And someone said, but you know, it says in there that you're allowed to say uh, uh, virtually anything that you want to say within, you know, not in the middle of a classroom right, or something right. like you that. You can't stand up no, and try right. to take away other people's right. right to speech. Exactly. But if you want to say something in a, in a public forum, you're allowed to say Whatever you want to say. And it lists all the, and it says, but if the other guy thinks it's wrongheaded, evil, racist, yes, I'm going to repeat that, racist. Wait, you put in the bill that you're allowed to say something racist? Does that make you a racist? No, no. It no. means when the left calls you out for being a racist, your response is, what else you got? Well, here's, here's the key. You get called is and isms all the that's all right. the time. That's right. And uh, for instance, if I believe that they should still teach, you know, uh, Huckleberry Finn or something yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, that, right? right? That right. they still should do it. And Tom Sawyer, and not the and not the rewritten version, but the original Samuel Clements version of the book. Right. It's got words. It's got they, the N-word. They used all the time right. in that time right. in our country during that particular culture. I believe you should read the particular words that were used at that time in that particular culture to understand what it was like, and maybe we don't ever want to go back there again. I told you, I, I, I'm going to repeat again, a colleague of mine who is a liberal, a liberal, he represents people on death row. He's a criminal defense appellate attorney. He's had more black clients than white clients. He's had more minorities on death row than he has whites okay. that he's represented. All right. And he's teaching a class and he's talking about racism against blacks. And he he taught a class about movie law and he showed some movie, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, actually, I think it was. And he said, what would this character have said? And I don't know, and nobody answers. He says, well, I think this person would have said such and such and so and so because that person's a racist. And in the description, he used the N-word. No. Not, oh. not oh. you know, like obviously he doesn't believe it. I just described to you yep. his liberal Correct. Uh, um, uh, gravitas. And people criticized him. But, but, but so... But but here's the thing: the the character wouldn't have said n word. The character would have said the whole word. Yeah. And so he said the whole word, uh, attributing it to the evil character. But people can't even separate that. 
No, I mean, it's the same way as if I say you should be able to read, uh, you know, Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer, whatever, and it should be in school libraries, and uh, they should still teach it as literature. Then they look at you, and they call you a racist because you think they sh- you should yeah, be able to read that book. And I'm not adopting. I'm or not Catcher adopting. in the Rye or whatever. Exactly. And I'm not adopting what the bad character said. But by the way, Germany, I think until recently, I think they just changed this. But until recently, in Germany, the book that Hitler wrote, the racist book, Mein Kampf, uh, was prohibited. Now, they've got an awful history that I can at least understand it. But I would not subscribe to that. And people said, well, would you? So they said, well, Rob, you know, you're you're okay with this book with racism about other groups. But what about racism uh, uh, about Jews? Because, you know, I'm Jewish, right? And I said, yeah, and what? And like, well, would you allow Mein Kampf in a library? Of course I would. Like, how are you going to discuss the evil that that were the Nazis and their philosophy if you can't look at the exposition of their evil philosophy. It's not an endorsement of it. I want everybody to think that if you didn't let people read Mein Kampf, then you get to the point where you decide, should we let them read about, uh, you know, uh, the diary of Anne Frank? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because yeah, of what it says in it, and what right. it and, it talks about what happened to people, right? And 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 maybe all of that just makes us all not feel included, or makes us all uncomfortable, or all upset. Maybe we should strip all of the uncomfortable words from our vocabulary, all of the uncomfortable situations written in books from from the history books, from the libraries, and that's what they're trying to do. Amen. That's what's happening. And that's why the Kim Hammer Dave Ellswick Freedom of Speech Bill has to be passed. I promise everybody, if it gets passed, the day that it's written, I'm going to invite Ben Shapiro and Ann Coulter to come and speak. Because they've been been really the two. The two that have come under so much attack about not being able to allow to speak because of what they say. That's right. That's right. More coming your way. It's Dave Ellswick Show. Bob Shapiro. I like to say Shapiro because that uh, he reminds me of Ben. But no, mm-hmm. he's Steinbach is yep. his last name. His opinions are his and his alone. And uh, I, 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 look, I, I think that, I think that the school and the uh, university should re- you know get out and embrace many of the things that you believe but they sure don't here's the thing i'm an academic i i'm for this i'm an academic you would think they'd be for it well right call freedom of go, speech go across the country and see how many conservatives there are on campus okay All right. i'm talking about faculty a break we'll be back with more it's the dave ellswick show and hey, don't forget pi roofing home solutions now the proud owners of Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services uh, lets the folks that have used Tommy's in the past uh, be completely assured that uh, PI Roofing is going to uh, continue providing the great high-quality gutter cleaning service you've been expecting from time, uh, Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services at a great value to you. And on top of that, now you also get the uh, high-quality Great comprehensive roofing and home repair expertise of PI Roofing. 
Remember, all you got to do to use PI Roofing is go to their website, piroofing.com. That's piroofing.com. Joel Johnson, Veronica Johnson, the uh, co-owners of PI Roofing, great people, really solid Christian moral people, will make sure that their team does a great job for you. Okay, so Robert Steinbach is here. Uh, we've been talking again, as we always do, freedom of speech. That's the whole thing about that you had by Brantley is unbelievable. The, the Brantley. The other thing that Brantley says is it's all make believe. The problem about free speech on campus. This is all in the minds of those conservatives stuck in a bunker underneath a a, a bomb shelter. You, tell that to Ashlyn Hogarth. She is the student at. ASU, the A stands for Arkansas, at ASU, who tried to set up a table outdoors. And the security guard at this public institution says, you can't do that. This is private property. Wait, what? What? Private property. ASU land. That's why people like Charlie Collins were spot on the money when they said, guess what? Administrators don't get to decide what you do with public land. They can decide where you build a school building, what color the team should be, how much people get paid in the philosophy department versus the the mathematics department. But they don't decide what goes on on public, public property. That's that right. counts for the First Amendment. That counts for Charlie Collins' uh, consideration of the Second Amendment. So... Keep your damn hands off my words and off my guns. That's what I say. We, you know, we used to have bumper stickers say, you know, you can pry my gun from my cold, dead hands. You can pry my words from my cold, dead mouth. Yeah, my, That's what I say lips. to these le- Yeah, from my lips. That's what I say to these leftists that want to shut us up. Yeah. That's what they want to do. Yeah, well, of course they want. And they've been doing a pretty they've good job it. of it. They've been doing And part of the way they do it is through intimidation. So if you're a spineless Republican, then you buckle under. Oh, oh, you call me a racist? Oh, let me run away and hide with my tail between. You know what? Bring it on, baby. Because as I talked about uh, countless times on your show, Dave, my father lived under Nazi occupation and, uh, and then Soviet rule. And then after the war, his... His father, because his mother died during the war, his father took his family to Germany because it was occupied by the Americans. Because he said, if you wanted to live, you went to where the Americans are. You went to where the Americans are. So you want to, you have the audacity to call me an ist or an ism, as Dave Apley points out? <laughs> Bring it on! Yeah. Bring it on! Yeah. We get called a lot of ists and We get isms. called names all the time because the left can't use logic, and then the next step is is name-calling. You heard there was this interview re- this last week with some woman... Uh, some woman who's who's being interviewed on the radio, and she's an African-American woman, and she starts telling the host, well, you can't understand because you've got white privilege. And the guy says, wait, what? You, you can't understand. By the way, it, why is that not racism? Because, yeah. right? And the guy says, I'm black. I'm black. But the problem is because I'm conservative – you think that I can't understand what you're talking about. Yeah, that was on Fox, and yeah. that was really interesting. Uh, fascinating. It was very funny. Fascinating. Yeah. 
you said certain things. So the only people I've ever heard people that have said those were white. So you must have been a white you guy. You must be a white guy. Yeah. And because you're white, you're not allowed to make certain arguments. Yeah. I, I love this position uh, that that you can't make an argument. So only people that agree with me can make an argument. And then it's like one hand clapping. Unlike Max Brantley's comment, there's no dialogue. It's not unobstructed dialogue. It's unobstructed monologue by the left. By the left. Yeah. All right. We got to get a break coming in here. When we come back, you know, Lady Gaga almost wins me over because she does such a great job in Star is Born or, you know, seeing some kind of music with uh, other other musician yeah. or whatever and she gets out of her comfort zone and and just nails it yeah. then she comes out some and politics, says some right? of the stupidest yeah. things i've yeah. ever heard and uh, l- let's talk about you know misconstruing christianity and she did it when she attacked the vice president we got to hear that here in just a moment on the dave ellswick show lady got, she's got the right to say it hundred percent you know but she that. should yeah. remember what my father Wait, but said you can say she's wrong my father would have told her you know, if you're an idiot, keep your mouth shut so you don't prove it. Hey, I wanted to let you know and, and, and remind you that coming up at 4 o'clock, uh, Robert and I are going to step back for the first half hour in that, and we're going to play the speeches from uh, Sunday's Right to Life. We want you to hear it, and mm-hmm. especially the young lady that uh, spoke about having an abortion, that she, had, she went around her parents and everybody. And uh, you'll want to hear what she had to say. Senator Tom Cotton, Asa Hutchinson, of course, the governor. And uh, there's another lady that speaks about the abortion drugs. And uh, we're going to have them uh, all for you. It'll take us about 22 minutes to get them all in there. And uh, we want you to hear it all. Don't forget about Sunny's Auto Salvage. I've been talking about them for uh, years, but have been using them uh, extensively in the last uh, six to eight months, and it's been nothing but a great experience and a whole lot of saving money. I mean, I've spent about almost $5,000 with RD for a motor and for a transmission. If I'd done it any other place, it would have cost me nearly $10,000, and I'd still be making monthly car payments if I went out and bought a new car. So, um, I did the the motor. I did the transmission. I did a rear tail light. You can get the biggest thing. You can get the smallest thing, but you can get everything you need to keep your car looking good and running fantastically. Uh, 982-7451 is the number to call and talk to Artie. You talk to him, he'll tell you about their standard warranties. They'll talk about how every part is guaranteed. They'll talk about all the great mechanics they got. But you really won't know how good they are until you let them serve you and take care of getting your car ready to go and be 100% again. 982-7451, the number, 982-7451. That's Sunny's Auto Salvage. It's your number one choice for recycled auto parts. All right, so Lady Gaga went off on Vice President uh, Pence. Uh, I don't know if you've been watching the media recently, but they've made a big deal of the uh, the uh, second lady. That's what they call the vice president's wife. Right, right. The second lady 
and her going back to work at a private Christian school. Oh, my gosh, you can't say that. That, uh, you know, has, uh, you know, morality clauses and things of that nature. And how could she do that? She doesn't represent all America. Get back to that whole thing we heard from Brantley. She doesn't represent all Americans when she's that way. Blah, 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 blah. Well, here's what she had to say about the vice president. This is Lady Gaga, cut three. So, Robert, what would you think? We're LGBTQ and we're all inclusive. We don't turn down anybody. You think they'd allow uh, Mike Pence to come? You know, Dave. You think they'd let his wife come in? We've talked about this so many times already. And and let me give you the same uh, disclaimer, or that's not the right word, the same preface that I that I always say because I do think it's important I think we uh, need to be considerate of all people even if we disagree with their lifestyles I'm con- yeah I'm I know considerate. you are I know you are I, I, I hope you're not su- even thinking that I'm suggesting that I just want to put that out there because now my next statement is the one that people on the left may not like will not like and that is there are good honest God-fearing people who believe in the Bible. And one of the prohibitions in the Bible is against homosexuality. Now, you can you don't have to believe in the Bible. You can be an atheist. You do whatever you want. But if you want to go to this particular school, right. you must believe in the Bible right. and it's uh, you know, it's embraced things that it embraces and the things that it abhors. That's right. B- by the way, you, 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 the, the Bible also uh, would prohibit cheating on your wife, yep. for example. Right? Gluttony. A, yeah, gluttony. Right? There's a whole, uh, there, there are a whole bunch of prohibitions in the Bible. That happens to be one of them. Now, I am sympathetic to the fact that there, th- that there are people who are gay who don't like th- those prohibitions in the Bible. Some of them, by the way, are religious people. Some of them are not religious people. I appreciate the, the, the conflict, but that doesn't change what's written in that book. And that book, by the way, is not a random book, even if it were, this statement would, would hold. But there is a prohibition in the Bible, and Lady Gaga has decided that she wants to write it out of the Bible. Lady Gaga, don't read the Bible if you don't like it. Don't subscribe to the Bible if you don't think it's the Word of God. You, no one is telling you that you must be observant. No one is telling you that you must be a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim or any religion. No one is telling you you can't be an atheist. But you seek to tell 
in this case, the Christian, they can't be the Christian. They've got to be the Lady Gaga version of Christian. That's right. And that's why I have this big wind-up about, yes, you should never treat a gay person poorly, never spit on a gay person or any of the other horrific things that we have seen historically. Yeah, the Westboro right. Baptist Church, perfect right. example of how you shouldn't treat right. gay people. exactly. But does that mean that you cannot believe in the, the prescriptions and proscriptions of the Bible because someone else doesn't like what it says? Because Lady Gaga says she's got her version of Christianity to sell, and if you don't like it, you can't have yours. That's what Lady Gaga says. She's a great singer. She she is a masterful musician. She's no priest, reverend, or rabbi. I'll tell you that. Nothing I know of. Okay. Okay, and she's free to share opinions. Hey, she can stand up on a soapbox and say that she hates religion Mm -hmm. or that she hates the Almighty or that she hates anybody that she wants to hate. And she can even say that Christianity doesn't include those proscriptions. But on that, it's a fact that she's wrong. The Bible is pretty clear on that. Yeah. There, are, there are things in the Bible that are open to interpretation like anything that's written down. This one is not particularly ambiguous. It is a prohibition in the Bible. If you don't want to follow it, Lady Gaga, don't follow it. I've never told you that you should. But don't tell me that those words are not in that book. And don't tell me, as you just pointed out, that an organization, a school that subscribes to those words can't subscribe to those words. Okay, so now with that, I want to move to Senator Bernie Sanders. Oh, our good buddy. Bernie Sanders. As we said earlier today, when you're talking to somebody from the left, you have problems with them because they're emotional and they are not typically fashion, you know, factual. Listen to Bernie Sanders here talking about President Trump. Cut today one. we talk about justice and today we talk about racism. And I must tell you, it gives me no pleasure to tell you that we now have a president of the United States who is a racist. Yeah, well, but but Dave, this is the beauty of that. What did I say 10 minutes ago? Bring it on. This is the left can't win on the politics. The left can't win on the substance. The left can't win on the, the philosophy. So the left calls you names. And what are those names? You got it. You're an ist. There's an ism. There it is. And my response, bring it on, Bernie. Bring it on. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I hear that stuff now, I... <laughs> I, I kind of laugh because it makes me want to, you know, jump into, uh, well, what's his name, that uh, the the man-child guy uh, that, you know, rode the bikes, uh, had the playhouse and, and all of that stuff. Who was that that did that? Rubens. Oh, um, yeah, Rubens is his Paul name. Rubens. Yeah, Paul Rubens. Yeah. But what was right. his character's name? Pee-wee Herman. Pee-wee, Pee-wee Herman. Herman. There it is. All right. Yeah. I know you are, but what am I? There you go. That's <laughs> There you go. <laughs> or, you know, something like uh, I'm rubber, you, your, your glue, glue bounces right. off me and sticks to you. That's I right. mean, 
It's so juvenile. That's right. I hate to tell you this, I, I, and it exactly, pains me exactly. to have to say this. It's all breathless. It's always have, breathless. It's like, oh yeah, my God. We have a racist yeah. in the White House. Yeah. Yeah, good for you, Bernie. Yeah. Good for you. So I thought, since we've been talking about that matter, we would throw this in as well. All right, we got to get a break in, then we got to finish up this hour. Don't forget, coming up in the next half hour, highlights from the March for Life that took place yesterday uh, at the Capitol. Yeah, I was sitting here, and here's what I don't like. You know, when your your phone starts changing words, and I I went to answer somebody, they were asking if something was going to be live, and I said, yep, live, and it wrote, yep, lice. <laughs> you know, sometimes... When they start changing words, it's not a good thing. It really isn't. They could screw things up royal on us. So here we are in the last few minutes. Again, let me remind you, when we come back from the news, highlights of yesterday's March for Life uh, at the Capitol. We've got some of the major speakers on uh, doing, um, you know, we're playing back their segments uh, from yesterday and some really good speakers uh, you know, we'll have uh, uh, the governor speaking. Also, um, you'll have, uh, you know, Congressman French Hill, Senator Tom Cotton, uh, Krista Brown from Heartbeat International talking about the chemical abortion reversal drug, and uh, Courtney Beck. She had an abortion at 16. Uh, it talks about the judicial runaround for underage teens who want an abortion. And he came in yet today, already fired up, Robert did. Because for years, the argument between pro-life, and they hate it when I say this, but it's the truth, pro-death, uh, other side, was... It's a woman's right to decide. But now that has morphed into something so grotesque and something so dark that it's, I, I, don't, I don't get it. And you were talking about yeah. it as we came in. It's like you can't debate with a person who believes like this. Hillary Clinton, I think, really lost some support of people who are in the middle when during the debates – she was so absolute in her in her support for uh, using their terms. I know you didn't, but using their terms, pro-choice, that she effectively argued that up until the baby is outside the womb, a mother can abort it. Uh, and that's when Donald Trump, in common sense, normal language, said, are you listening to this? Uh, it's paraphrasing, but yeah. are you listening to this? This is grotesque. It, it, nobody on the left or the right should be, believe that there has to be, or uh, that you know, should, should not believe the simple notion that at some point, at minimum, at some point, this baby is a baby. Mm-hmm. It's alive. It's yep. a person, and. She was so absolute in her embracing of this pro-choice, this is their term, movement, that she was unwilling to say at some point that baby has the right to be alive. 
And that's, you know, that's why I think no longer is the debate. The debate used to be a lot more ironically nuanced than it is today. Yeah, I don't know who the comedian is, but there's a female comedian who came out and talked about, you know, the women who come out and say they had problems after they had abortions. Okay. And and she came out and said, I didn't have any problems. I've had several abortions. I'm happy that I had my abortions. Mm-hmm. And since that time, the discussion has changed. You You have these moments where all of these women that have had uh, abortions are supposed to embrace uh, their imbo- uh, abortion and be proud of their abortions. Now it's not a matter of, yeah, it just wasn't the right time or I couldn't do it. It was uh, in topic pregnancy. It happened in, you know, the, the birth canal or, or in the tubes or whatever. Now it's, I'm proud. Yeah. I had, when are they going to start, you know, printing, you know, t-shirts and, and, uh, and sweaters that say, I had an abortion, you should too. And, and, and the contrast is remarkable when you look at Bill Clinton versus Hillary Clinton, right? Well, Bill Clinton was pro-choice and he said, but I want abortion to be rare, but, you know, in the end, his view was, uh, I'm not going to be the one that controls it or the state. That's right? disappeared from Right. That's the disappeared from too. the debate. That's the point. Hillary is the contrast to her own husband, Bill. Now, she doesn't obviously have to do what he says, but the contrast is remarkable because it reflects the evolution of the left in America from the period of Bill Clinton 20 years forward. But, that, you know, but, but Bill Clinton had male privilege. Well, of course. Of course. That's what it was. You know, Hillary was showing the feminine side. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, when we talk about white privilege, we talk about male privilege, you know what those statements are? They are racist. They are. You're telling me that I think a certain way because I'm white? You're telling me I think a, a certain way because of my sex? But, but can that be said in the opposite? No. Because you're not supposed to, and correctly so, by the way, judge people by their color, by their sex, by their gender. You're supposed to judge people by their moral character, yep. the things they say, the things they do. And the left... Yeah, we've has, gotten away from that one. Well, the left has turned that on its head. And then when you say, but wait a second, I wouldn't, I shouldn't, I couldn't, and I mustn't say the same about you if you are a woman or you are a minority. They say, yeah, because those rules don't apply to us. The rules work in one direction, not the other direction. That simple. And, and the other direction is absolute. And right. it's right. Exactly. Says the left. Exactly. Yes. Right. Absolutely. That's, that's correct. I mean, it, it, it does amaze me sometimes of how nuts people truly get. Yeah. And that, that a whole movement would start because a comedian said that she was proud that she had had her abortions. It, it's almost like this anti-immunization movement that was started by, you know, a playboy Model, yeah, yeah, you know, like I said, has a great rack, so much about thought and you know, smartness, not so much. There's no science behind it. Uh, Now, that's not to say, even the guy that wrote the article sometimes that they want to say and cite that put it in the Lancet, which is like our uh, American American Medical Association Journal, Journal, uh, came out and said he faked it all, yeah. 
No, there's no science behind it. So why keep believing it? Why right. put your child at risk? And yeah. why why do we continue to put our um, our country at risk? There was a great yeah. I forget what was um, uh, there's a show that abandoned. That's what it's called. It's know. on the History Channel, and there's buildings and uh, structures and bridges and all this other stuff that's fallen apart and you go well what was that supposed to be for and they give you the history of it but now it's been abandoned right next to ellis island there's another island did you know it yeah and it's where they put the sick people that's right and they wanted to make sure that they didn't have tuberculosis and some other different diseases and they and they kept them in quarantine there for, I think they said, 30 days mm-hmm. to see if you got sick. If mm-hmm. you got sick, guess what they did? They sent you back. Guess what? They only sent back 1% of the people who tried to come. Mm-hmm. But to, to send that 1% back was important so that they didn't get out in the general population and kill thousands of people with mm-hmm. disease that mm-hmm. we weren't prepared yeah, to battle. Dave, aren't you supposed to have more sympathy for that person coming from another country than you are for the Americans or citizens of this country? That would have got, got, got sick right. and died. And yeah. would have killed them. That's right. Because yeah. that's what the left is telling you. And the left tells you, well, the murder rate by immigrants, illegal aliens, to be clear, is lower than the murder rate for Americans. By the way, I don't think that's true. I don't think they have the facts to back it up. But even if it's true, it's above zero. Yeah. And they're not supposed to be here. They are illegal aliens. We're not talking about stopping immigration, legal immigration. We have legal immigration. Yep. That's perfectly fine. It's good. We should have it. My parents were immigrants. God bless them. I agree. All right, break. When we come back, uh, as soon as we come out of the news, we'll get into the first speeches from the politicals, and then we'll pick up with some really great speeches as well from the speakers from Sunday's Right to Life March. It's a great day to see everyone out here supporting the pro-life cause. Yesterday they did that in Washington, D.C., and I was proud of our vice president, Mike Pence, who stood there and simply said, we are the Pences and we are pro-life. Well, today, Susan and I are happy to be with you today and say we are the Hutchinsons and we are pro-life. And I look at the fact that uh, we in Arkansas, because of the work of the members of the General Assembly that are here and the laws that we signed, became the second most pro-life state in the nation. But there's always more work to be done. I look forward to working with Arkansas Right to Life and you to make sure that we can do the right thing in educating America, protecting the unborn, and moving the ball forward to protect life in America and in Arkansas. Thank you, and God bless you. Andy, thank you very much to this great crowd assembled here in Little Rock for life. Thank you for coming out on this beautiful, beautiful day. Those who can't advocate for themselves need us. They need us to advocate for their livelihood. They need us to advocate for those hurt by an abortion. We need those to advocate for those who 
are thinking about an abortion and talk to them about raising that child in this beautiful, blessed country of ours. So thank you for being out. On behalf of the United States House of Representatives, pray for us in this Congress. Pray for us that we're able to cast the votes to do the right thing to protect life in this beautiful country. And thank all of you for your personal commitment and for all you do to advance the cause that we call life. Thanks for having me, and thank you, Arkansas Right to Life. Thank you, Andy, and thank you all for being here at the March for Life. Now, I truly want to thank you for taking your time on a weekend when it's cold and there's so many other things that you could be doing and commend you for standing for the most precious, innocent, and vulnerable members of our society. We could talk a lot about the laws that we change in this Capitol behind us or that we change in the United States Capitol in Washington. But more fundamental than changing the law is changing hearts and changing minds. And for over 40 years, and for some of you I see much shorter than that time, you all have been working through counseling, through ministry, through your professions to change those hearts and change those minds. Abraham Lincoln said that in our country, anything is possible with public opinion and nothing is possible without it. And through your efforts, we are changing the minds of our fellow citizens and we are creating a culture of life in this country. And thank you all and God bless you for that work. Mr. Brown is a registered nurse who serves as the abortion pill rescue coordinator and medical specialist at Heartbeat International. She has worked for pregnancy help organizations for more than 20 years, bringing diverse experience to the APR network. Krista has served in the pregnancy help movement as nursing director and executive director of three centers in Indiana and Michigan. Krista believes strongly in educating and empowering women to make healthy choices in their pregnancies. She's been married 28 years and has five children and seven grandchildren. Please. A big round of, suppl- uh, of applause for Krista Brown. I am so honored to be here today. Um, I wanted to say that I spent the last week in Washington, D.C., and I was able to meet with members of Congress, and we were also able to meet with Vice President Mike Pence. And I want you to know that your voice is being heard. They understand the pro-life movement is real, and this is what we want for our country. But there is much work still to be done. Chemical abortion now accounts for 31% of all non-hospital abortions and 45% of all non-hospital abortions before nine weeks of pregnancy. The rates of abortion continue to increase in the United States, but chemical abortion continues to increase quickly. One young mother said, I didn't want the baby, but I also didn't want to have an abortion. I just wanted it not to exist, which is what the abortion pill sort of promised me. Taking a couple pills seems easy enough, but can this easy fix make a living baby non-existent? Another woman stated, I seem to change my mind every five minutes. I'm booked for an abortion in two days. My head tells me it's the right decision, but my heart tells me not to do it. 
It can be the most difficult decision a woman will ever make. The promise of an easy fix is enticing, and there is often time, relational, and financial pressures that move the decision forward very quickly. And the manufacturer of the abortion pill has worked hard to create the illusion of a quick and easy solution to an unexpected pregnancy, an abortion in the privacy of our own homes. But chemical abortion does not create a solution. It destroys. It destroys motherhood for the woman and the life of the unborn child created in the likeness and image of our God. So what can we do to help? Every woman deserves love and support during her pregnancy. We can be sure that women have education and support they need to make the best decisions possible in every single community in America. No woman should ever feel pressure to abort because there are solutions that do not involve abortion. They need to know it's okay to be scared because they're about to do something very brave as they become mothers. Abortion facilities often leave out the truth, putting abortion profits above what's best for the mothers and the babies. Abortion is not commonly the empowering, triumphant experience advertised by the media and abortion supporters. Many women actually feel trapped into the decision. Women want help in crisis and that support. They want to know that there is a new normal on the other side. And they want to know it's not the end of the world. It can actually be a new beginning. An unexpected pregnancy can actually actually be an unexpected blessing. At Abortion Pill Rescue, we believe every woman should have all the inf- information she needs to protect her child. And the life of the mother and the baby are worth far more than the abortion facility's bottom line. It's been my experience working with women in pregnancy centers that they are resourceful, intelligent beyond their years, emotionally strong, courageous, and are often able to parent their children when given the chance. To say abortion is an option or a choice is disrespectful to women and does not take into account all that we are capable of. Often when women are considering abortion, they waver in their decisions. There is tremendous pressure and stress. One answer can seem right for a short time, and a short while later, that that answer changes. And the abortion industry monopolizes on this indecision and plays on the fears of these women. When a woman goes to a clinic for a medication or chemical abortion, she is quickly given that first chemical to start the abortion process as soon as her credit card is swiped. The second chemical is given to her to take 20 24 to 48 hours later at home when she is alone. That interim time can be very stressful as she weighs out if she's made the right decision for herself, for her child, and for her family. So what happens if she changes her mind after she's already started a chemical abortion? The Abortion Pill Rescue Network stands by waiting to help. With over 500 providers worldwide, we are ready to assist women who have started the process, reverse the effects of these deadly chemicals. When a woman calls our hotline, we listen to her, we answer her questions, and we explain what reversal is. More than 500 babies have been born, and many more are on the way. The women who request reversal are prescribed bioidentical progesterone to outnumber and outcompete that mifepristone, and we are often successful. Initial studies have shown the reversal process is 64 to 68% successful, and the rate of birth defects in these children is no greater than the general population. 
healthy babies born to happy, thankful moms. Despite what you might have heard in the pro-abortion media, there is nothing controversial about the help that we are offering. One mom who successfully reversed recently said, Since I've had my baby, my life has been better than ever, and everything has fallen into place. Another said, I'm so glad you were there to take my call. And a third said, words cannot describe how thankful I am for abortion pill reversal and the team there. APR saved my son's life, and it changed mine forever. We are seeing lives saved and motherhood restored every single day. We believe women have the right to withdraw consent from a chemical abortion and should never be forced to complete a procedure they no longer desire. These women are given a second chance to choose life for their children. It's amazing and it's beautiful. If you'd like to learn more about abortion pill reversal, you can go to our website, website abortionpillreversal.com. And if you know of someone who has started the chemical abortion process and is having regrets or second thoughts, they can call our hotline number on the website or go to the website for live chat. We stand with you, Arkansas, as you fight for the unborn. Your work for these little ones is saving lives. Thank you for praying for those who are considering abortion today and for those who have started the abortion process. Pray they would find the hope and determination needed to choose life for their precious children. Thank you for your work to educate families about options available to them and to protect the most vulnerable among us. Stand strong because you are making a difference. And the APR hotline is ready to help as needed. Our consultants are waiting for their calls today. God bless each of you. Courtney's heart is in holding a woman's hand as she walks out of the darkness of a past abortion decision into the light of healing. She believes abortion rights will be a battle until there's a revival of the human heart because the truth of the devastation of abortion is locked away in the shame-filled heart of the post-abortive. Through her own healing, Courtney found her voice and the voice of truth. The truth is what will ignite a revival of the heart. Please help me welcome someone who knows this path well, Courtney Beck. Good afternoon. I was born into an all-American, middle-class, church-going family. They provided for my every need and want and undoubtedly loved me. I take complete responsibility for my actions and ask that nothing I share today reflect negatively on my parents or my family. I was only 16 and a couple of months into a relationship when I found out I was pregnant. I was an 11th grader, a girl that loved to play basketball and laugh with my friends and was beginning to think about college plans. I couldn't be pregnant, but I was pregnant. I was paralyzed by terror and panic, and this shock caused tunnel vision, and all I could see was the desperation to protect my parents and the father of the baby and myself from shame and fear of the unknown. Abortion was presented to me, along with the money and an appointment, so I set out to fix my mistake and never look back. I didn't go to any adult for help. I didn't even give my parents a chance to help me. I took matters into my own immature and terrified hands. I just couldn't be pregnant. On December the 23rd, 1995, 23 years ago, I took the life of my first child through a secret abortion. For over 17 years, I was a prisoner of the deepest shame. 
I had so much mental and emotional anguish. I feel certain I experienced the unending process of spiritual death. I couldn't even see an accurate reflection of myself in the mirror. The smell and the sound from the abortion facility haunted me. Hearing a vacuum cleaner just sent me into panic. I had nightmares and flashbacks. I was miserable and angry all the time. I lost my joy and my laughter. I remember in my 20s, people asked me all the time, why don't you ever smile? I had severe anxiety and depression. I hated myself so much. I just wanted to die. I had zero self-respect, zero self-esteem, and zero self-love. This affected all of my relationships over the years and carried over into a marriage and my ability to be a healthy mother. So how did I do this, have this secret abortion without any adult in my life knowing? It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense because by law here in the state of Arkansas, if you're under the age of 18, you can't even vote or go purchase tobacco or a lottery ticket. And if you're under the age of 18 and you want to get married or change your birth name, sign up for the military, purchase a gun, go get a tattoo or a body piercing, you're legally required to get a parental or a guardian consent. The same is actually true for a minor seeking an abortion. However, with this, there is a loophole. The abortion facility will actually call down to the courthouse and schedule a hearing for this minor female to meet with a circuit judge. She goes before him and tells him or her her reason for needing an abortion without consent. If she seems responsible and mature enough to be making this decision on her own free will, or it seems that it's not in her best interest to obtain consent, he simply signs a legal waiver called a judicial bypass and sends her on her way back down to the abortion clinic. These are the very steps that I took at the young age of 16 to obtain an abortion without any adult in my life knowing. How if we heap this type of responsibility on a minor? I mean, there's a definite maturity and safety issue to consider with any of the decisions I just mentioned. Yet with abortion, the most serious one, it's legally the easiest to, to obtain. Young women deserve better. If the reality and the truth of the emotional aftermath, not only myself, but countless post-abortive women have experienced, and the absurdity of the judicial bypass aren't enough to convince a person of the need for awareness and reform of abortion laws, consider that science has proven, and leading embryology textbooks teach the truth, that at the moment the egg and the sperm unite, all of the inherited features of a new individual are determined. New human life begins. At that moment, hair, skin, eye color, gender, and even some personality traits are determined. And only 21 days after conception, before a woman's menstrual cycle is even missed, her baby's heart begins beating. Then by the time she realizes that she's missed her cycle, her baby already has its own blood type and all of its organ systems are forming. And after the eighth week, this embryo is now called fetus, which means young one or offspring and has begun forming fingers and toes and is purposefully moving in its mother's womb. Development continues rapidly day after day. And after the 12th week of pregnancy, this young one has completed its first trimester of development. Arms and legs are clearly identifiable on ultrasound as they move and kick. Pigment-filled eyes are covered with eyelids. All organ systems are present. This little one has vocal cords and taste buds. 
It's a clearly identifiable little human being at only two inches long and can suck its thumb, silently scream, and feel pain. Yet the Goodmacher Institute reports that 89% of abortions occur during these first 12 weeks of pregnancy. How on earth is abortion, which ends human life, deemed women's reproductive health care and even applauded in some circles when we live in a country at a constant struggle for human rights? I am convinced that if a woman became pregnant with a puppy or a kitten that changed into a human baby at delivery, not only would abortion be illegal, it would be viewed as harming the helpless or the most evil, evil form of animal cruelty. The Guttenmacher Institute also reports that less than 1% of abortions are due to rape or incest, and only 3% attributed to fetal health issues and 3% to a mother's life truly being in danger. Yet these small percentages are the smokescreen that keeps abortion legal and used as birth control in well over 90% of pregnancies that inconvenience lifestyle. There's just got to be a better way. If you're here today and, like me, you have an abortion in your past, I am not speaking the truth to harm you or guilt you. My desire is only to shed the light of wisdom on the knowledge of what the unborn is, a little human being, and that abortion doesn't fix anything or go without consequences. Life doesn't just go back to the way it was was before because the emotional and spiritual repercussions are long-lasting. Had it not been the gentle encouragement of my husband when I was deep in depression to own it, do something about it, quit letting it control you, I would have never set out on a journey to healing. It began through a post-abortion healing retreat led by the most amazing, loving, supportive, and non-judgmental women at Options Pregnancy Center in Cabot, Arkansas. And then another post-abortion healing retreat through Deeper Still, which has a chapter starting here soon. There I learned about the real character of God and that grace and forgiveness were for me too, and it changed my life. I share my very real experience, not only to save babies, but to save a woman considering abortion from years lost to shame, grief, and regret, and to give hope to at least one other post-abortive woman silently screaming and trapped in a prison of shame to please seek healing and forgiveness. It's available for you, too. I petition each of you to get involved, support the pregnancy care centers, post-abortion healing retreats, and the Arkansas Right to Life with your time, finances, and prayers. These life-affirming organizations are on the front lines, not only providing factual information about abortion, but all three parenting options. The pregnancy care centers provide pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, parenting education, baby supplies, love and support, and even healing to the post-abortive woman, all free of charge. Until the hearts of people are changed toward life in general, but especially that of the unborn, there will be no real change. Truth is often inconvenient, but denying it only prolongs suffering. Truth is the real path to freedom, and it is imperative that we do not cease speaking it. German philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer wrote, All truth passes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. And third, it is accepted as self-evident. All right. If you got warts, then the folks over at Applied Research of Arkansas want you to know that if you do, they're ready to take action. 
and to help you with new clinical studies that could wipe those warts away. Participants receive free study-related care and medication as well as compensation for time and travel. You know, when I was a kid, I used to think that warts were caused by holding on to a frog or to a toad and it would pee on you. And uh, that's what caused warts. Now we know it's a virus and it has to be treated and the treatments are getting better. Now, you can be one of the participants in these studies by going to uh, the online location for Applied Research of Arkansas, ARCArkansas.com, ARCArkansas.com, or call them 501 501- Nine five four seventy eight twenty two. That's five zero one nine five four seventy eight twenty two. All right. So, when you decide to run for a public office, you got to be ready for, you know, whatever questions you might face for the media. You should have a person who's helping you. Think what questions you could be uh, asked. Uh, have an answer kind of formulated so that you can give it and maybe a little bit more in case they, it gets a little deeper. Uh, let me just tell you, uh, Gillibrand, is it Karen? Is that her first name? No, Kirsten. Kristen Gillibrand. Oh, Kirsten is it? Is uh, like Kir- Kirsten Gillibrand. She is serving uh, right now in the uh, House. Senate. US oh, she's Senate. in the Senate now. Yeah, That's right. She, she was moved the House. appointed by the governor of New York, the, who was the former mayor of New York, um, and that's how she got her Cuomo. Seat. No, not Cuomo. No? The African-American guy. I forget his name now. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah. he was. she's put into the Senate, and uh, she's running, running for president now. Oh, yeah. Jake Tapper was talking to her. And I will say this, I'm not a big Tapper fan, but he set her up. Yeah. And he hit a home run, if you're a conservative. Mm-hmm. Here's cut four. Listen to this. That's the word you use, racist. Now, as you know, uh, you were more conservative early on in your career on immigration. CNN's K-Files out with a new report this week on your 2008 campaign website and a mailer sent from your congressional office back then, a long time ago, but still in your, in your public life. Uh, take a look. You said you were a, quote, firm opponent of giving, quote, amnesty to illegal aliens, unquote. You said English should be, quote, the official language of the United States. You called for expediting deportation of undocumented immigrants. Now, I know you have very different positions today, but let me ask you, if Trump's immigration positions are racist, were they racist when you held some of those positions as well? They certainly weren't empathetic and they were not kind and I did not think about suffering in other people's lives. And one thing I did 10 years ago when I became senator and was going to represent 20 million people across our state, I recognized that a lot of places in my state were different and I needed to understand what those constituents needed too. And so I took the time. I went down uh, to Brooklyn. I met with Nidia Velasquez, who's been a leader in fighting for families for a long time. And I listened and I realized that things I had said were wrong. I was not not caring about others. I was not fighting for other people's kids the same way I was fighting for my own, and I was wrong to, to feel that way. And so I just said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stand by and do nothing for families that are suffering in my state and in my communities. 
So what's the difference, though? Just help me understand between your previous positions, which you characterize as wrong and not empathetic, and President Trump's positions today that you call racist. So what President Trump is doing is creating fear and division and a darkness across this country that I've never seen before. One of the reasons I'm running for president, Jake, is because we have to restore that integrity uh, to our presidency, to this country. We have always been a compassionate country. We have always cared about others. We've always believed in the golden rule. And what President Trump is doing is destroying the moral fabric of what this country stands for. We have the Statue of Liberty in our New York Harbor. She stands for a beacon of light and hope for others who need us. Mm -hmm. uh, send us your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. We've never been afraid of immigrants. We've never been afraid of refugees and asylum seekers. This president has sown fear and division that just makes us weaker. And so I think what he's done is so horrible and so mean-spirited uh, that I am nothing like him and never will be because my values haven't changed. So I will saying, fight for other people's kids as hard as I will fight for my own. There you go. Where's the answer? <laughs> Where's the answer? Somewhere amongst those tap dancing moves. Exactly. <laughs> Gene Kelly over there dancing in the rain. Where's the answer, Christian? Or Kirsten? Kirsten. Or whatever it is. Kirsten. Basically. Kirsten. One of the three. Where's the answer? <laughs> I, you, thought, I you, thought you would love that. Oh, one. my gosh. You said Trump's a racist for having your views. Yeah, 10 That's years ago. 10 years ago. But this is what the... Remember when Obama was against gay marriage? Yeah. And then he flipped. By the way, he flipped because uh, Joe Biden uh, outed him, shall we say. Uh, and then he flipped. And the day after, anybody who didn't agree with him? Racist. Homophobe. Yeah, you were a homophobe at that wait, point. Wait, what? Well, a second ago, this was your view. Now that it's not your view, everybody who doesn't have your views is a racist. But you have to listen because as she gets it to, it's about two thirds of the way in. She makes the statement that her initial feelings was all based upon her own children. Okay, now she says, "Well, I had to change my views for other." Uh, children that didn't have the same life that my kids have. Does that mean that the way you feel about your own children changed? Uh, See, know, that's what's so ridiculous. You, you can't unpack the absurd from the statement. She said, so she's gone from her position wasn't racist, but it was wrong. Listen, you can disagree with Trump. I have no objection if you say, I don't agree with Trump. That's called being a leftist or a Democrat or a liberal. All of those. And those are not completely overlapping groups. They disagree with Trump. Okay. You're allowed to disagree with Trump. You're, you're allowed to be bonkers as well. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But it's wholly <laughs> illegitimate. Trump derangement syndrome. Exactly. It's wholly illegitimate to say the view that you held a second ago, right before you changed your mind, is racist when it wasn't racist a second ago and when you're still unwilling to call that view racist. Wait, what? Wait, what? You be That's it. Like I just said, Obama was against gay marriage before he was for it. And now that there are some people who still oppose it as a policy matter, it's it's now the law of the land, but as a policy matter, there are people who oppose it. They're apparently racist because they don't agree with Obama 
a second after he changed his mind because he was forced to, by the way, by Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's utter and supreme hypocrisy. And that this is the intolerance of the left. It is absolutely, if you have a conservative view, that the, the left cannot accept it. Well, here's the other thing. Is when she starts quoting from the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, well, let's just be clear. From the poem that was put on a plaque after the statue, well after the statue was put up to, to raise money for the statue, by the way. So it's she can quote whatever she wants. She can believe those words as well. But somehow that's what the statue... First of all, the statue doesn't say anything. It's a statue. The poem on the statue that some guy wrote is a perfectly pleasant poem. It's also not policy. Finally, and most importantly, we're not against immigration. Yeah. We're against illegal immigration. Well, here's the other thing, though, Robert, is that, and we were talking about this, I saw a great uh, segment on the History Channel. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, there you go again, watching history. Yeah, yeah I know. And, it, it, and, and I, I believe about a third of what each one of those things <laughs> show. But uh, I was sitting there watching it, and they were, you know, they were they mentioned Ellis Island. Now I've I've taken the ferry around the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, it's I've pretty. I've gone past, you know, Ellis Island. Mm-hmm. But you know that they never took me past that other island <laughs> that's out there that this segment talked about. Right. And a lot of people don't know this. I I wasn't privy to some of the information they showed. And that was that they had a they built another uh, island out there using a old Roman method where you build a kind of like a wall out there and then, then you pump in. it all the yeah. water out yeah. and then you fill yeah. it up yeah and then you make solid land out right. there so anyway they built a hospital mm-hmm. they built a uh, place where they could put you at. Mm-hmm. If you showed any kind, remember now that this was during a time when, you know, we didn't have cures for, uh, you know, polio and cures for TB, uh, TB and, and all kinds of diseases. So what did they do? They put you on this island mm-hmm. and they knew that typically if you had something, it would manifest itself in 30 days. Mm-hmm. And if it manifested itself in 30 days, they sent you back to where you came from. Mm-hmm. Now, it was 1%. That's what they they figured that it was. You got sent back. But they didn't let you in if you were sick. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about this already. But she makes it sound like that send us your unwashed masses and all that. And by the way, if you have a communicable disease, we'll be happy to let you come into our country as well. Infect innocent men, yeah. women, and children and let them die. That's the absurdity of this whole leftist argument about this very pleasantly written poem that happens to be on a plaque for a fundraising event put on the bottom of the Statue of Liberty, which is we are welcoming of immigrants, poor and rich alike, by the way. Huddled masses and, uh, and according to the left, excessively privileged alike. We're welcoming of immigrants. We're welcoming of legal immigrants. L-E-G-A-L. Legal 
immigrants. I spell it out not for effect, but just so because sometimes you, you can't hear the difference. We are unwelcoming of illegal, I-L-L-E-G-A-L, illegal immigrants, because we're unwelcoming of breaking the law. And your first act in entering this country should not be breaking the law. Or your first act in staying in this country should not be breaking the law. And that's what the left seems so unwilling to engage in. If, let's have an unfettered dialogue, to borrow a related term to the, to, to the uh, silliness that Max Brantley brought up about your outstanding free speech bill. Let's have an unfettered dialogue on why we should let people in to this country when their first act is either breaking the law in entering or breaking the law in staying in this country. Why? If you don't want them to be illegal immigrants, then change the law. But we have legal immigration. We have legal immigration. My parents came here. Uh, Indeed, virtually every one of your listeners' relatives at some point came here through immigration. And almost invariably, I would bet legal immigration, not illegal immigration. So let's just enforce the law. It's no small request. And the left is going bonkers over this. Can you imagine if there was a ship in uh, New York Harbor that said, we're not stopping at Ellis Island. Right. We're just going to go through right. and right. land at the pier and right. everybody's Let going to do similar. They right. would have sunk it. Well, what, what about... How is it any different when people sneak across the border than if they would rush the the gate at the border crossing? Yeah. Would we tolerate rushing the gate at a border crossing? No. And we didn't just recently, by the way. Twice. Twice. So I don't understand. So if you do it surreptitiously, if you do it in a way that you're not caught because we can't stop everybody, although a wall would help, by the way. A wall would help. If you can't do that, then it's a get-out-of-jail-free card? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, and would Gillibrand say that what the Statue of Liberty stands for is unfettered Unfettered. access to our country? Okay. If that's her belief, then change the law, because the law doesn't reflect that. No. And she's a U.S. senator, and she should not be advocating for lawlessness. Right? Is Correct. she is she a is she an anarchist? We've never elected an anarchist before to the U.S. Senate, to the best of my knowledge. It's time for the first one. There you go. All right, got to get a break in. I just thought everybody would like to hear that because it, if you deconstruct it, it makes no sense at all. It's garbage. Back with you. Sitting here reading the poem uh, that we were just yes, talking about. It's a about. perfectly nice poem. It is. It's I was very mistaken. Good. You corrected me off the air. It was written before the statue. A statue got here to build the pedestal. Yeah. But the point is the same, is that it's a poem. It's perfectly nice, perfectly pleasant. It's not a statement of policy then or now, by the way. It, certainly people are free to believe those views, but it's no more binding than anything else. And again, if, if Gillibrand's claim was merely say, look, this is my philosophy, okay, 
Okay, but it wasn't, right? That's the point. It wasn't. It All was right, a claim so to more. One of the big stories over the weekend was, uh, what was it? I guess it was um, not Manafort, the other guy. That uh, is not saying all this crazy stuff now. Oh, uh, the the um, I can't remember the his name. I'm trying to. Ross, forget. help us out. You know the former fixer for yeah Cohen 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 thank yeah you. Cohen. Anyway, you know he made his statements, and everybody says, "Well, see, he was colluding with the Russians, and uh, for that tower he wanted to, the hotel he wanted to build, and yada 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 yada, and he should be impeached." But then. Out of the nowhere, here comes Mueller. Yeah. And Mueller said, it's not true. Oh, well, no, even more so, by the way. The, the claim from BuzzFeed was that the Mueller folks had evidence that Trump told uh, Cohen to, to lie, lie to the to the Senate or the grand jury or to yeah. somebody, uh, some official under oath uh, proceeding. And the, and that is an impeachable offense. Oh by sure, the way. well it's criminal, it's impeachable, it's yeah, it's bad news. And uh, that Mueller came out and said no, no. And here's the beauty, right? So after Mueller comes out and says no, and by the way, in quite unequivocal terms, they said, well, uh, we, you got to read between the lines. He didn't actually deny all. Well, I don't know. It's a pretty good denial. <laughs> pretty good denial. Yeah. And they said, well, if Mueller denied this. And he didn't deny the other stuff. Well, then all the other stuff must be true. Yeah. No. No, that's, that's not, not what how it, it means works. at all. It's not how it works. Because that was the worst part of exactly. it. Exactly. Prosecutors, and special prosecutors in particular, usually don't comment. So if the press gets something wrong, but it's whatever, or who cares, or even if it's a little bit more than that, the prosecutors don't comment. But when the press went apoplectic, when the press, all the mainstream media jumped on this BuzzFeed article, nobody confirmed it. And they said, well, we haven't confirmed it, but here's what it says. Here's yep. what it says. And they all jumped on board. The Mueller team said, this is much worse than what we've seen so far. We've got to come out and, cl- and make sure people know this ain't right. So what did Rudy Giuliani have to say about it? Cut five. I want you to take a listen to something that the president said <laughs> about, we, we about, this, about the special Real. counsel. Take a listen to this from President Trump. Right. Okay. I appreciate the special counsel coming out with a statement last night. I think it was very appropriate that they did so. I very much appreciate that. That's some praise for the special counsel from President Trump. Me too. I did the same thing. I commended him. The president has referred to the special counsel investigation as a witch hunt (laughs) probably hundreds of times, at least dozens of times. He's gone after the integrity of Robert Mueller and his team. Does this mean now that you and the president accept the credibility of special counsel Robert Mueller in his office? No. If he does something good, we're going to commend him. If, If he does something we think is wrong... We're going to, well, I'm going to defend the president. Good is something I mean, you it, like I, and bad is something you don't like, it seems. Well, no. Well, that's also true for him, right? We, we have different points of view on this. When, when, he's, uh, when he's doing what, what he's doing to Manafort, I think it's horrible. He's got the man in solitary confinement now for six months, and he keeps questioning him and trying to pressure him to say things that are not true. I think that's terrible. Why, think do, you think Man, why do you think Manafort However, shared what he that did yesterday, data? Why do you think Manafort shared that campaign data with Konstantin Kalimnik, who, according to the FBI, has ties to the Russian military intelligence agency, the GRU. But in fact, but in fact, is a Ukrainian. Two Ukrainians. Originally, the New York Times ran with the story again, fake news, that he shared it with a Russian. They corrected that. They corrected that. Ukra- they did correct it. The well, why do you think he shared the they campaign? They didn't correct data. that. Why do you think he uh, shared the uh, campaign? My data? friend, they didn't correct that. Like they didn't correct that just completely on their own. By the way, 
Did you? Uh, same thing with special counsel. You were working that on the campaign like at the time. Why do, you, why do you think? Why do you spontaneously? Think he, why do you think he shared that information? Uh, I think uh, he owed them money, a lot of money, and I think he was sucking up to them, uh, t- sucking up to his clients, making them feel important. The sharing of they owed him information. Money. Right. I oh, I'm sorry. Other way they, around. They so he wanted money. to get paid. So he wanted to get paid. You're, you're correct. You're correct. They owed him money, uh, and he wanted to get paid. They were, he had a personal relationship with him, independent of the campaign. Should he have done it? Absolutely not. Bad judgment, yes. A crime? Sharing polling data? Give me a break. No way. Well, we'll see. People I, I give out that internal polling data. People give out that internal polling data to impress people. They give it out for fundraising. They give it out just to have people on your side. They give it out to affect you guys in the press. Yeah, I don't know why That's he did it. That's what they use it for. I don't know why he did it. You I told, don't, I don't, but go ask him. You told, well, he's the president didn't know you about told, it. You told CNN earlier this week that the only possible crime that could have committed, which he did not do, you say, uh, was aiding Russia and hacking the DNC. Um, that's strongly disputed. But let me ask you a question. Is, are you saying that it's not? Yeah, it's not, strongly disputed by the people who make up crimes. Are you, uh, and, are and you with, saying? Only, only, only to go after Donald Trump. Are you saying nobody it's else not has possible? ever been pursued. Are you saying it's not possible for the president to have obstructed justice, that that's an impossibility? No, of course not. The president can obstruct justice. He can't obstruct justice exercising his powers under Article 2 of the Constitution if that's what he's doing, and that's what he did. That's the point of Bill Barr's memo, which Bill Barr's the the simplistic analysis of this is, again, designed just to go after Donald Trump. Here's the point that Bill Barr makes, which I think 75 percent of lawyers and 90 percent of constitutional lawyers would agree with. If the president of the United States today fires one of his cabinet members... He cannot be prosecuted for obstruction of justice. He would have to he would have to do a corrupt act in addition to Mm -hmm. that. If he goes up to his cabinet member and says, if you uh, don't do this, I'm going to break your legs. Right. Or I'm going to take money away from you or I'm going to have your wife put under investigation. Now we have obstruction of justice. That's enough. We're out of time. We got to get to the news. Let's do that. And we would come back, Conduit to be with us. All right, we're waiting for uh, Brendan and Joe to get a hold of us. I have been in touch with them earlier. Uh, there was an article today in the uh, in uh, Conduit News called Conduit Action uh, Week 1 of the Arkansas Legislative Scorecard. And I got it sitting in front of me right now. And we can sit and talk uh, about what they saw that was good and what they saw that wasn't so good by the way you can sign up for text alerts from conduit by texting the word join j-o-i-n to 501-292-2683 it's 501-292-2683 and i expect we'll hear from uh, uh brenda or joe uh here in just a, a few moments uh brenda says i'm running 10 minutes late we'll call asap so sure. well okay, listen, we understand how yeah, that happens i've been there a thousand times and and they already have up on their website as you know uh an endorsement and and criticism of various bills that have been sponsored and surprise surprise and I, i'm not being facetious uh they are endorsing the Dave Ellswick, Kim Hammer, free speech on campus bill. Not because they like you. Not because they know you. We've gotten into disagreements. You've disagreed no. with them sometimes. Yeah. I've disagreed Joe with them. Joe and they I get into it often. All the time. All the time. But 
we all agree about the the validity of free speech on campus. Well, all of us that I mentioned, of course, our buddy Max Brantley, he's more uh, worried about uh, those uh, those stuffed animal clutching, heavy blanket wearing, uh, counseling needing, uh, daisy holding, uh, delicate uh, flowers that are <laughs> the students apparently in the minds of the leftists on campus across America. Well, uh, as you know, and as we've discussed, my response to that is suck it up. Yeah. Suck it up, baby. Yeah. We're coming to claim our freedoms. Exactly. That's the key. I won't back down. This is these are God granted That's right. freedoms. That's not right. Not granted by Max Brantley. That's right. Not granted by our uh, state legislature exactly. or by our uh, federal legislature or president or supreme court by exactly. our God. Exactly. And they're there in the constitution because they are to be protected. That's exactly right. By our elected officials. That's exactly right. And they're not granting it. Yeah, they're recognizing it. It's a given it. that you, yeah that you must protect. Well, the, you know the beauty of Kim Hammer's day, slash Dave Ellswick free speech on campus SB one eighteen. Uh, the beauty of the act is. It would solve the problems that we see present day. Max Bradley says, there's no problem there. Uh, yes, there yeah, is. A, a, and he a, knows a, there is. A, a Ashlyn Hogart would say different on ASU campus. And she's just one example. Okay? So um, th- these are real issues. This legislature meets only once every two years. So we've got to pack in a lot quickly. Don't say, and that's the other thing. This is a very strong, solid bill. Well, maybe we can move a little bit less. Maybe we can have something a little more incremental. Yeah, incremental. Yeah. 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 How long does the incrementalism take when it was written back in the 1700s? And that these are my inherent rights. Yes. And I've got to wait. And if after this, I got to wait another two years for another step forward, and another two years for another step forward. Pass a bill, pass Kim Hammer's bill, make it law. God bless America. God bless the First Amendment. God bless the Second Amendment. And enough with this little uh, weak attempts at enforcing our free speech rights. Let me tell you, the people that. Max Brantley is worried about not feeling included and not feeling happy and not feeling kumbaya. They don't like what I'm saying right now. Well, they, they, Max Brantley wants it so that people who are conservative or in the future could flip around a different way. People who are liberal exactly. can't question whoever is in power. Exactly. exactly. I mean, that's what he's saying, which blows my mind. Right. Isn't it, though? Because... He's liberal. Yeah, but you see, when the liberals are in charge, and he knows they are, the leftists, to be clear, when the leftists are in charge of academia, other leftists say, you can't question them. Questioning authority in the mind of the leftists means questioning the right, not the left. And so when you question the left, that's not questioning authority. That's just darn wrong. Right, we understand. It looks like to me that Brenda has called. She is the only one that will join us today. Joe is not going to be here today. So uh, as she gets soon, she's ready. We'll get her on. And there's several bills that they're behind right now. There's a couple that they're against. And it's funny because I'm right with them. 
mm-hmm. completely. There may come a time when we disagree, but you know, we are very, you know, as you know, Robert and I are, are very conservative guys, especially when it comes to our inalienable rights. And uh, and we're going to stand up and fight. But let's uh, welcome Brenda with us, ConduitNews.com, their website. And uh, we're going right for ConduitForAction.org, the CFA Weekly Scorecard. And it says, during the 92nd General Assembly regular legislative, legislative session, Conduit for Action will again be tracking bills in the legislature uh, we'll take a position on some bills and either support or oppose them using the CFA economic freedom uh, filter. So what is that? Okay, one, if it grows or shrinks government. Two, increases, decreases dependency on government. And or three, spends money the state does not have. CFA will also score bills that support a transparent, open, and honest government that is accountable to the people. So number one here is uh, SJR 2, ending sovereign immunity to allow lawsuits against government. Uh, Senator Dave Wallace, Republican Leachville. And bottom line, Brenda, I'm right with you guys. I support this as well. Robert? 100%. You cannot keep government accountable if they are, by definition, unaccountable. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, you know, I guess when you all sat down and looked at this, you would have done the same thing as uh, I would do. Well, duh, common sense here. Absolutely. And I would say, uh, just a FYI to, to the audience and to legislators, when Conduit for Action and Conduit for Commerce came out last uh, session two years ago with our legislative scorecard, you know, our, our legislators were taken aback because of some of their scores. And uh, they said, you know, where did you get that? And, you know, the wailing and gnashing of teeth. And we realized at that point, many of them had never paid attention to the emails, the alerts we sent weekly, like like this one will go out today to all the legislators and the public. And, it, you know, it's not that people have to agree with us, but do not be shocked. When, when we give you points because you do or, or take points away because you don't. So just, you know, a reminder to the legislators to read these things because, um, you know, this is what a lot of conservatives would agree with. Well, I think... All good conservatives. Yeah, good conservatives would say, you know, <laughs> hey, you have the right to sue your overseers. Exactly. There's, there's a, enough of this failure to recognize that the government works for us, not the way, other way around. And I can't stand these uh, – by the way, it's left and right alike, as you, Brenda, always point out. Uh, left and right – well, you know, if you sue the government, then you're taking money out of pa- taxpayers' pockets. Yeah, but you're also – but you're also compensating the taxpayer who is injured by the government and most importantly incentivizing the government to stop messing around. Yeah, you think that they might, that they might, he gets a little worked up. I'm, Just I'm gonna, a little. I think I'm going to start giving him Xan, you know, the, some yeah, kind of. Is it? Uh, Zantac? No, Zan, that's for the stomach. Zoloft. Xanax. Zoloft. 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 Slow you down, right. buddy. But the bottom line is, is that just a you know if you pay a few moments of attention and think about this you know you got the government 
that could be sued if this would be, uh, I guess right. this would go on the, uh, uh, go for up for a vote from the people since it's a Senate joint resolution. The bottom line well, is, you know, the bottom line on this is that maybe if there's a question there that's, you know, some citizen is going to be losing their rights because of a bill being passed, maybe they won't pass the frickin' bill. Well, just like uh, I know there's a, a an action right now that's been uh, brought against uh, preferred family uh, health care. And, I mean, uh, should a lawsuit be brought against the state for not going after preferred family when there was plenty of notice? Uh, you know, and, and you do that, and, and what would the state say? Sovereign immunity. Right. You know, we're not responsible for bad actions on our part. Well, and, you and, know, and where's the justice in that? There's no justice. There's no ethics. There's no morality in it. Uh, and it's it, it, you cannot let the state be unfettered. And they say, well, you know, we're going to be subject to lawsuit. You know, for the vast, vast majority of cases that are meritless, they're just thrown out. So, oh, you know, there's all these phony lawsuits. Phony lawsuits get thrown out, okay? So, I'm not... People are crying a false set of tears when they're talking about these false lawsuits. But there are real harms caused by bad actors, and some of those bad actors work for the state. By the way, have we seen it on the Freedom of Information Act? Have we seen it? Well, I... And now I the state says... I haven't seen that. I want you to send me that whatever, as soon as it's filed or whatever you see. I had read where the Municipal League, you know, had their meeting last week. Dan uh, Douglas spoke, and the top issues were the Internet sales tax, the uh, Freedom of Information Bill, exactly. where government attorneys would have attorney-client privilege, and that just sends you and me up the wall. Oh, yeah. You know, it's remarkable how the Municipal League should be, in, in these respects, called the, hey, let the bureaucrats dictate to the population rather than the population control the bureau hacks uh, uh, organization. You, yeah. Why don't you guys get one of your friendly legislators to uh, file a bill? I'm sure it would have a lot of support. Where the municipal league, uh, where leg- you know the city employees, county employees, if they want to lobby, they do it with their own personal funds and not state money or county money or if, city money. How, how many government employees go down to the legislature on their on the government's nickel? Meaning during nine to five when they're being paid to be at work. You know, one of the advantages well, of being a professor is we've got to work a certain amount of time, but we get to work that time virtually any time we want. These people and we by the way, and we gotta get our work done. So that means if you have to work forty, fifty, sixty hours, you don't get paid no more. You get paid the same thing. I'm not complaining. But these folks Well, they, that's because you're so good you can do your work in ten hours. There you go. Uh, these people <laughs> these people show up to a job and they do their job, I'm not complaining, and then they go home and they're done with their job. So during that window of employment that you're paying them they, they go down to the legislature to lobby against the interests of the public, of the public. And, and how, how much of the public really understands that? Yeah, exactly. Well, it, hopefully it, all you got to do is, is come down to the Capitol. You'll see it every day in the committees. That's right. You'll Absolutely. see somebody out there talking for somebody, and they are working for 
the state government. By the way, uh, this proposed uh, Constitution amendment would provide for a more honest and open government, providing strong incentives for the state to treat all persons equally and to stay within the constitutional confines found in the Arkansas Constitution. All right, SB 52, we'll talk about that next. We've talked about it here on the show because we had Senator Mark Johnson, Republican from Maumel, to talk about this, and that is no pensions for criminal government employees. And they support it, speaking of conduit, and I highly support this. I was literally doing a dance on my desk here when I had Mark on because it's just common sense. All right, so when we left, we were on to the second piece of legislation. There's uh, there's legislation moving already during the first week of the session. It had pick up this week, uh, but next week it'll really pick up because they get, they get their full week. They're off today. They'll pick it up tomorrow. I will be at the Capitol tomorrow with our power panel. It's going to be fun tomorrow, uh, uh, Brenda, because Jan Morgan will be there in the Capitol again joining me. You're right. Along with R.D. and uh, um, Paul. So the three of us will be there. Let's go to this piece of ledger, this bill that's been filed by Mark Johnson, who is a great addition uh, for conservative Republicans, and that is no pensions for criminal government employees. Look, I've said this many a time. I know Robert said this, and I'm and and you've said it as well. Whatever rules you, that you've set up. Uh, if you if you break them, if there's nothing to punish you for breaking them, then you might as well not even have the rules in the first place. Exactly. That's correct. And I think I might have said this last week, but to me, uh, to be take the pension away from a person who has committed corrupt a corrupt act, uh, stealing taxpayer dollars, the money that he's he's uh, sworn to protect, is much like not allowing a, a, a spouse to collect on an insurance policy of the spouse he's murdered. You know, yeah. maybe a crude comparison, but, you know, don't benefit from the act that you, uh, the crime that you commit, uh, at least not when you're caught, you know, and, and trying to be punished. Yeah, just pulling right directly from a, uh, a paragraph from this article, this legislation would strip the pension slash retirement benefits for public employees who are convicted of a felony that is tied to their public position. For example, because former Senator John Wood's felony convictions were due to his position as a state senator, he would have his pension benefits stripped. And I'm all about this. I thought thought, uh, Mark uh, put a lot of thought into this and uh, uh, sought out a lot of uh, input from other legislators. This piece of legislation should fly uh, through both uh, the House and the Senate. Uh, The Senate, as far as uh, Mark is concerned, I I don't – there shouldn't be any problem with it, but something tells me deep in my heart there will be. (laughs) Well, uh, maybe a constitutional challenge or threat, you know, I I don't know. But I would think that um, Mark uh, ran on – Reading the state of the corruption, uh, the Senate is now led by Jim Hendren, who claims he's going to um, 
remove the culture of corruption from the Senate. I think this would be a good start. Yeah, absolutely. There's just there is just no doubt about that at all. Now, before we go to the next piece, I'm going to wait and pick it up after the news because we got it's going to take some time uh, to talk about. I have a vested interest. I'll be very open and honest about this. This piece of legislation is coming about because for the last two years I've been screaming about this, and I went out and got the foundational legislation from another state that Robert took and and rewrote. I will say that I added three words, I won't, and they, they were longer than two, two letters each. But uh, I just added some extra words to even if they hurt somebody's feelings or bothered somebody, things of that nature, I, I added a few extra words. That, that was just me to strike back at the millennials a little bit. But we're going to come back and talk about free speech. And uh, my listeners may get tired of me talking about this per, uh, particular bill, but it is adamant that we get, I think that it's adamant that we get it passed because uh, the whole reason to go uh, and to a college is to take you know items from, Open your mind. from other other people and be, and be able to take facts and destroy those those of the opponent or maybe you find a consensus between the two of you. There might be well, some you consensus. Said people get tired of hearing about it, but these are what are likely or are on the agenda to come up this week. So you know. That's why they're there in our scorecard. Yeah, well, I'll be talking to getting Senator Hendren or Hendren Senator Hammer, Hammer. on. I'll, in fact, I'll, I'll send him a, a text tonight as I leave and make sure he, he joins me. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Coburn, Senator, former Senator Coburn of Oklahoma, uh, Tom Coburn is going to be here uh, in Arkansas. We're going to get him on to uh, the show over at the Capitol as well. We found that out. I can't give you the exact time, but we'll get it to you. But right now, we're going to bring you the news. All right, we're back, and uh, Brenda's with us from Conduit News. Conduitnews.com is the website you go. Now, what we're reading uh, today, Conduit for Action, uh, has uh, this art per, uh, personal article that we're reading today, which is, what's going on at the 92nd General Assembly. And uh, we want to get to SB 118, (laughs) Senate Bill 118, protecting free speech on college campuses. And it says next to it, big green letters, support. And uh, Senate Bill 118, according to their article, would protect free speech on college campuses in Arkansas. The legislation would address what are commonly called free speech zones see that that just just saying that gets under my skin yeah free <laughs> speech zone. i thought that's what you call america and it should. yeah as, as though somebody has the right to say to me or my kids or somebody else's kids well you can only talk about what you believe in in this little tiny area over here yeah i don't think so where colleges try to contain free speech within defined areas of a campus so uh, you all are big time for this, and like I have said several times today, because Robert makes me blow the horn about this one, and for two years I've worked to get this right and to get it ready, and Senator Kim Hammer uh, has picked up the mantle and is going to carry it into the legislature, and 
here, here's what I'll just say about it. If they, whoever votes against this doesn't believe in free speech at all, does not That's believe it. in the First That's Amendment it. to the Constitution, and if they don't, should be voted out the next time they come up for re-election. Exactly. That's exactly well, right. Well, what about a, a, a college that calls itself a university having free speech zones? I mean, the very term university means a place where you go and get universal knowledge, and if you don't have free speech and have to have, uh, you know, corded off areas to talk freely, I mean, that's the opposite of university, isn't it? It seems exactly. like to me, but hey, we're talking about lefties here. It ain't about facts. It's all about emotion. Ooh, it hurts my feelings. So it's emotion. So now we got to pay. We got to pass something or do something, so the person doesn't have to have an extra glass of chocolate milk today. <laughs> well, I think it's you know we need to start teaching our young people and anyone that will listen. And you know, and your show is a great place, and that's what we try to do on our our radio show. Is that. You, you must understand there's not hurt feelings that we're talking about. There are people with agendas yes. who are trying to implement those and, you know, using those with the least amount of defense or inability to really know what's going on or, or these kind of things would never happen. I mean, we have to start fighting back and pushing back, and I really appreciate y'all encouraging Senator Hammer. I mean, he's a new a new senator. Mm-hmm. You know, we, these are two new senators we just talked about bringing these bills. And, uh, uh, and you know, Dave Wallace is relatively new. This is his second term as a, as a senator. And, uh, you know, I, I applaud these guys. These are three good bills. Yeah, they, they really are. And uh, I do say that I really like this bill. <laughs> uh, speaking of college campuses, and since yes. Robert is on college, Robert, is there a free speech zone at at the law school? I mean, what what goes on there? You know, it's a good question. Not that I know of. Uh, um, there I, is on the yeah. campus of UA. Is there? Yes, there on is. The main campus. Yes, yeah, we, you know, we're off site, so I don't know how how it operates on on the main campus. Uh, of course, I'm well. Well, I mean, familiar. usually that's called you lost. You know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At a law school, you have a trial and you don't win. You know when you can't speak anymore That's or whatever. Right. I'm trying to be sarcastic, but, no, but I just your find point it is right. amazing that we're even talking about this bill. Well, we even have a need for it. And the bill is broader than just the free speech zone, which is a critical issue. It's about being able to say things that other people don't like without you being uh, told that you're not permitted to say those things. So it's not only geographic, which is important. It's not only the location on campus. It's that you can say conservative things, and I can tell you, across this country, conservatives have been told that they can't say things on That's campus. correct. No, no, those, uh, I'm sorry, your thoughts, say the leftists, those are not legitimate thoughts. So those don't fall into our distorted view of what the First Amendment permits. Those, are, those aren't real thoughts. Those are conservative thoughts. And of course, we know, according to leftists, what conservative thoughts are. That's racist. That's, that's so didn't didn't fine. we see an example this weekend of the the young uh, high school students at the March for Life in D.C. Mm-hmm. and we saw the video, we saw the news reports of how they need to be punished. You know, you saw how they mistreated the um, the Indian, the 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 Black American. I mean, you know how disrespectful, how taunting, and how incorrect that story was. Well, in my opinion, it, it, one one point was made there. People. Do not go in public and support our president, or you will pay a price. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's oh. the message that was sent over the media. 
Look, Brenda, it's even media and Brenda, it's even it's even more than that. I think that there are plenty of locations, including many campuses across this country, that you could not wear a Make America Great hat again. I think they would tell you, oh, you can't wear that. Somebody's going to get upset if they see you with that on. You can't wear that. Well, sir, does this free speech uh, bill address? Attire? Is that part of what you get to do? Is wear what you want to? It, it, it doesn't use the word attire, but absolutely the bill addresses that those kind of constraints. Absolutely. And that's why this Kim Hammer bill is so powerful, because it's it, this may be the most free speech bill in the country. And that's what we should continue to do. Remember, Brenda, you were well aware that we have one of the best FOIAs in the country. You know, we're a small state. We're not a rich state. We're, we're, we're rich in, in, in environment and in people, but not in money. Not in money. So, and we have an so what do you predict will be the response? I predict what, the first thing we'll hear is we don't have a problem with that here in Arkansas. Well, you, you, Brenda, you, you foretold already what has occurred because that's what right. Max Leftist Brantley has written in his newspaper. Remember, Max Brantley no is a newspaper way. man. Oh, yeah. How predictable. Right? Yeah. He's a newspaper uh-huh. man. And uh-huh. he says, free yeah. speech needs to be balanced. Do you have that part that you can the court, yeah, 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 read, read yeah, that I'll, to Brenda? Uh, He's got I mean, this, and he, you got to hear it, Brenda, because here's what's interesting about this. And you said something very, very important that you can't even believe, and I can't believe, that we're talking about this because people are trying to steal our First Amendment rights. I take this personal because back in the late 60s, early 70s, when I was in my last years of high school, first years of college, I, I became part of the free speech movement. Because I remember when it was the right that was imposing this on people that's at right. times. That's right. Now yeah. it's the left that's imposing this stuff. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. Here, Brenda, Push listen back. to this. We have to, you know, go, go ahead. ahead. What, what does it say? Th- this is from the article where I think he's quoting somebody else, but he's uh, using this himself. So this is Max Brantley's point. Quote, many of the most difficult issues surrounding free speech at present are about balancing unobstructed dialogue, not even monologue, dialogue with the need to make all constituencies on campus feel included. Wait, what? Wait, what? In, you know, feelings of inclusion. So, he's, so, he's in, so he is defending the conservative? Is that what he's doing? No, he's, he, he's defending the ultra-leftist Marxist who says free speech gives way to whether or not you feel good today. Whether or not you have your lollipop and puppy today. So he'd say, no, if someone doesn't feel included, if someone doesn't feel happy, if someone feels anxiety, shut down the speech, baby. Shut down the dialogue. The dialogue. Two people talking. Yeah. Two people talking can't talk because a third person doesn't feel included. It is so terrible. Well, I mean, you know, we're in emotions, and, and you'll hear people say on, on on the national news, whatever, you'll hear commentators on the on the right say, the media, the news media just doesn't like Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, I take strong objection. I strongly object to that. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that they have any feeling about Trump as anything. They've always proven in the past they liked they liked him. What they don't like are his policies. Mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. like that he is effectively... Uh, promoting and, and uh, you know, accomplishing his agenda. That's what they hate about Trump. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he, sure he does it in an abrupt way and in your face and all that. That's just entertainment and helps their ratings. But they don't like he is successful implementing what they hate. Well, it's not a personality thing, but they use that to accomplish what they're after. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you see this when, even on this debate on the wall. They're like, well, come meet us. Uh, open up the government. Come meet us. And then we'll discuss. Oh, uh, uh, is the wall going to be on the table? No. Wait, what? Yeah. So, what? what? <laughs> exactly. Hey, come Quite to dinner. Good. No food being served. Wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I'm not interested. <laughs> you know, I went to Dave's house for Thanksgiving. Could you? Dave said, hey, come to Thanksgiving. No turkey. Wait, what? <laughs> now that's not, that didn't happen there. No, uh, but no, but, there's plenty of food at oh, my Thanksgiving. It was, it was great. But this is the point: is like you don't like what Trump is doing. By the way, Brenda, as you well recognize, and I'm sure readily concede, they're entitled to not like it. They're perfectly entitled. Vote for, continue to vote for Hillary. Vote for whoever you want. But absolutely, you're not entitled to to, to make up reality. And no. the left is well, going off the cliff. If you're in the left, you can make up reality. As an employer, when I interview someone, uh, I tell them, I don't know how you feel about politics. You know, it really doesn't doesn't matter to me, but I think it's only fair that I tell you, if you work in my building and for my firm, you'll hear conservative talk. And if mm-hmm. that offends you, you're not going to like it here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. I said, I like to disagree. I get paid to disagree. Exactly. But, you know, some people take offense to it, so you're on notice. You know? right. I mean, that's that's fair. All right, quick break. Come back. We want to talk about uh, HB 1002. It's real important that we talk about this for a moment because I think people have a misconception about this bill. We'll talk about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's finish it up for uh, a Monday. Wow, it's gone fast today, and this hour has flown by. Brenda's here. Excuse me, from Conduit News, I ate Popeyes today, and it's atta- <laughs> it's it's eating me now. Well, you got a free meal out of it. Yeah, I did. So anyway, she's, uh, she's with us today. Joe is not here today. He He's playing hooky. But uh, is he going to be back next week, Brenda? He should be, yeah. Okay, all right. He's so, out of state today, but coming in tonight. Okay, well, let's talk about HB 10. Uh, nope, that's the wrong one. 1002, uh, new internet sales tax. You all oppose it. I oppose it. But they're going to sell this in such a way that they're going to, you know, I don't know if it can be stopped. Just be honest. It was stopped two years ago. And I think the arguments that stopped it is that the Supreme Court had ruled that it was unconstitutional. But now they can go back and say, well, because of the U.S. Supreme Court upholding similar legislation in South Dakota, well, this is foregone conclusion. We can go on and start taxing things on the Internet. Problem is, people don't understand they're going to take your money. This is not state money. This is your money. I have two points, or we have two points to really make on this at this at this time on, on this call. Number one, how many legislators ran this past election on the fact that they would pass this Internet sales tax? Now, I think Dan Douglas may have, and he won by three votes. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, wow. and and you know he's he's been in the legislature now for what this is his third term, but um, 
So how many of these guys ran on they'll pass the Internet sales tax, or how many of them ran on we'll cut taxes? Now, I say, I predict, we predict that the governor will include this Internet sales tax piece within his tax cut bill, and that it'll be like that military tax exemption bill that had the tax increases. Yeah. And so then mm-hmm. if you don't vote for the tax cuts, well, then you don't want the, the Internet sales tax. If you don't want... Tax. Uh, if you don't vote for the internet sales tax piece that's embedded within the tax cut bill, you must not want tax cuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's like writing a law, Brenda, that you know you want to uh, give uh, food to children and uh, unicorns and rainbows, and then you bury it, bury in that some tax, and then someone said, "Well, I don't vote for taxes. I'm going to vote against it." Well, you're against children, unicorns, and rainbows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, um, and here's just, the other thing that I don't think they're going to be. Uh, aware of and and you guys make a very good point of this this does not mean that we must pass a tax that taxes the internet that's not what this means it means that if you so desire you could make a internet sales tax for the state of arkansas well uh, just uh, Chief Justice John Roberts said that Medicaid expansion was a tax, and each state could choose whether or not they wanted to opt in to Medicaid expansion. Correct. Of course, Arkansas, you know, was afraid to miss the government dollars we we elected to opt in. Here we are again, taking every opportunity to tax our people. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts, in the opinion that, that you're referencing in this case, said this is bad law. Don't do it. And, you know, and the, the majority said states can opt in. It's uh-huh. not you must do this. It is optional, Arkansas. Right. And, and we've already and, defeated it. And when this bill passes, uh, guess what? We're opting in and we're taxing the Internet. That's correct. Yeah. And you're not ta- you're taxing the Internet, which in effect oh, is taxing you're people. taxing yourself. Every tax right. is a tax on the people. If someone That's tells right. you different, they are lying to you. And now, why would we want to support what the municipal league cannot wait to do? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. I agree. And they're going to say something. Well, it's not fair, not fair, you know, if we don't do this because the brick-and-mortar stores have got to do it. Well, let me just flip that. Okay, so why don't you run a bill that says the brick-and-mortar stores, to be fair, don't have to charge sales tax? And, and, yeah. and, and to be clear, the brick-and-mortar stores take advantages of the environment uh, and I don't mean that like from an ecological standpoint, but they take a, 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 a advantage of the environment in a way that internet stores do not. I'm, That's so, right. So you know, Rose. don't say, "Oh, well, we're identical." Yeah. You know, okay, not fair. Fair is for the same situation, the same treatment. It's not the same situation. So stop it. And by the way. By the way, Mr. Brick and Mortar, if you think that the internet store has such an advantage, well, why don't you open up an internet store? Or why don't you shut down your brick and mortar store and just go internet? Right. Like all of the. Absolutely. You know, we're not here to be subsidizing anybody. Mm hmm. Anybody. Why would Walmart be one of the main proponents of this bill if it's if it's totally there to make it fair for brick and mortar? Walmart is almost single handedly been the biggest enemy to the small mom and pop brick and mortar. Yeah, they have. It's really funny. I mean, all you have to do is think about it. All you have to do, as Brenda, you point out, is just scratch on it, scratch on it, and you know what? It it smells like shinola to me. 
Okay? <laughs> you just scratch a little bit. I, I, I have to channel Joe. If he were here, he would say, you know, this is a Republican uh, supermajority. Yeah. If they just do nothing, right. we have smaller government. Yeah, absolutely. This is the, that's what, you know, I was, Brenda brings up such a fantastic point uh, in channeling Joe, no less, which is, I was telling somebody, uh, when we were talking about SB 118, the Hammer Ellswick free speech bill, and they were saying, well, maybe you should ask for less. I said, you don't realize, this may be the most Republican legislature in the country. Yeah. So you want to, what do you want to water down left? I bill? never if I know that you need, you know, Z, I don't ask for C. Right. Okay. Exactly. I, I don't believe in that increment uh, incremental kind of thing. Yeah, over the window. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Once right. every two years. All right, so for the listeners, now here's what's important. Everybody I talk to, and I do mean just well, just about everybody, comes to me and they say, What do you think about this? What do you think about that? How should they be voting on this? How should they be voting on that? Well, what you need is you need good, solid reasoning information that you can go to. That's why I have texted uh, JOIN, J-O-I-N, to 501-292-2683, and that will get you the latest on the 2019 uh, Arc Leg session from the folks at Conduit, and the information that we were talking about today will end up right there on your G- text. Give that number again, Deb. I it's, want to put that in right now. It's join at 501-292-2683. And you're going to get that scorecard every week. So keep that in mind and be sure you do it so that you can keep up what's going on in the legislature. You can listen to my show, and I'm going to talk about a whole lot of stuff. The folks at Conduit are going to break it down even better for you and tell you what you should oppose and what you should be, what they oppose and what they support. And there's good reasoning for why they do either one of those. Brenda, we're out of time. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I appreciate you and being you with us. Thank you for your bill. Hey, I love it, uh, Robert. Hammer Ellswick free speech bill. I, I'll it. sell it everywhere I go. I love it. <laughs> All right. We appreciate you, Brenda. Have a good one. And uh, we will have her back on again next Monday. Maybe Joe will be around and maybe he won't. Doesn't matter. It's still a good show no matter what happens. Robert, we're done, buddy. God bless. Three hours in the books. God bless. We'll get back again on Monday. Maybe. Um, Sooner than that, if something comes up in the legislature. Indeed. When I need somebody who knows the law, I turn to Robert Steinbach right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. With that said, time for me to get out of here. Power panel tomorrow. We're back at the Capitol. It's open for business. That's some good, maybe a lot bad. We'll be talking about it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.